Say, did you read about the guy that had his sex changed to a girl? Says he was perfectly normal, too. How can a guy be normal and go and do a thing like that to himself? Glenda has made the decision. Then comes the major surgery. The removal of the man and the formation of the woman. A woman born at the age of 24. The body of the woman within begins to appear now. The world is shocked by a person who changed his sex. Thus, the strange case of Glenn, who was Glenda, one and the same person, not half man, half woman, but nevertheless man and woman in the same body. He dares to enter the street dressed in the clothes he so much desires to wear. He learned that foreign doctors were doing marvelous work with a sex change. Man to woman, woman to man. If the newspapers had not gotten hold of this story, it would have gone untold, unnoticed as so many others in medical history. Why is the modern world shocked by this headline? Why? Do you realize what would happen if every man in the country that wanted to wear women's clothes or felt like a woman went to their doctors and wanted a sex change? Glenn and all the hundreds of thousands of other Glens across the nation face quite a problem. It's been 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of June of the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. Thank you so much for joining today. It is uh, 503-733-2970. You want to uh, join us. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, conventions, two cents, observations on the pulling of the string, whatever it is you might have. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, Richie slash Rochelle Bristol is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking... The tedious, the mundane, the deviant, the perverse, uh, whatever it is, it seems to be plaguing your brain uh, on this Tuesday. It is uh, Tuesday, and uh, welcome to Day 12. Thank you for uh, being there. I'll be allowed to email us. You can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at uh, rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Uh, Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. By the way, I can't... Let me double-check and make sure that these are actually up, because I'm fairly certain... I think if you go to 970.am right now, of course, this is going to be when it doesn't load. I know the, the tortoise one is up right now. Is it really? I think on my, on my side, anyway. I think they're being loaded one by one. I think the site's getting hit pretty heavy right now. But if you go to 970.am, I do believe that one at a time, all of the videos from yesterday's excursion into reptilian wackiness. Oh, here we go. Yeah, so we've got... Um, so we've got, uh, if you go to uh, 970.am and you go down to, um, uh, I think it's the As Heard on the Rick Emerson Show section, about halfway down the site, you'll see one where the heading just says, Reptiles in the AM 970 Studio. Uh, so we've got, uh, some of these are just labeled Rick Terrified, Rick Scared, Rick Hiding on Refrigerator Like a Woman, Burmese Python, Monitor Lizard, Rattlesnake, Tortoise, Alligator, 
And then the one of the King Cobra, in which I'm, I'm sure that I can't even be seen in that video, by the way. Because I'm off uh, cowering in the corner like a small child. All right. The best part, by the way, when you're listening to the recap hour just now with the reptiles, you can tell that I'm nowhere near the microphone. I mean, it sounds like I'm 50 feet away, like down the hallway. So, I'm just, I'm safe and secure in the knowledge that had something gone poorly, I would have died last. Uh, in any event, so you go to 970.am, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, uh, 7 different uh, videos up of yesterday's encounter with uh, Richard the Reptile Guy. So there you go. It's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today. 503-733-2970. Here's what's coming up later on the day. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Steve Kastenbaum as well. James Roop will join us from Los Angeles where I, he, he spoke, I, I know he's talking about wildfires, but I also think, aren't we just like a day away from the SAG strike? Isn't that tomorrow? Well, they, they would have to vote on it first. I think the deadline was supposed to be tomorrow. And then they put out the word whether or not they want to strike or not. Then the members have to vote on it. So is it that happens? So is the, is, I don't really know how this works. Is there a vote? There has to be a vote. But I mean, is there a vote to have a vote? In other words, you mean, do they have to have a consensus about whether or not to take an yeah. official vote on it? All right. no, oh, it? It is official. They will take a vote okay, if they go they, not strike. They will take a vote, and then everybody will sort of cast their ballot, and then they will either stick it to the man or they will not. Yeah. All right. Well, in any event, uh, so we'll talk a, a little bit about that with uh, Jim Roop coming up later on today. Uh, I have found the final, uh, I have found the fifth of my top five spoken word recordings. And I decided, I mean, first I'm going to do it today. We are going to do it today. I still have to print out the, uh, I have to print it out. But I did find uh, the fifth one. Uh, for Battlestar fans in the house, I located the last of the final five. Uh, so I, I just found it this morning. We'll get those loaded. Uh, so it's uh, a, a because of George Carlin and his uh, status as an illustrious American wordsmith. And also just because there's really not much opportunity to play a lot of, I mean, some of these songs, I almost don't even want to do it as a top five. I mean, I almost, I almost just want to do it as, as a segment uh, so we can sort of take some time to listen to them. Because I think there's a couple things about the American, about the way that the American musical mind works. A, first of all, I think I speak for everybody when I say this. The time of the, of the instrumental track becoming a big hit in America or going to number one, I think that's over. I don't think we're ever again going to have a number one song in this country that isn't instrumental. In fact, let's go around the room. Popcorn. Now, I've seen this popcorn. But what what was the last? Tim, let me ask you this: What would you say is the last instrumental hit in America? In turn, and by hit, I mean like a Billboard top top ten. Oh, I'm almost positive I know what it was. You got me, Sarah. I'm trying to think of the theme that that do 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 do. <laughs> you know, I don't even know what that is. No, I, I know that song. The theme from with the Jack Nicholson and they're driving down the beach. Uh, Jack terms Nicholson. of endearment. Do 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 do. <laughs> That's Beethoven's fifth. What are you talking about? No, I mean, tap it out on the keyboard. <gasps> okay. What about Hill Street Blues? What was that? That, was that website that, called? But I wouldn't say that's a top ten. I wouldn't say that was, was a. It not? I mean, it was a popular song, but I don't think that was. A, I don't think it was a pop hit. I don't think it hit Joel Whitburn's Billboard charts. Well, we're just it's so You know it. I have no idea what that is. Okay, can you do it? Drop the mono bed for a second. What is it? Do, uh, no, I'm not going to say it. I'm no, this is it. more entertaining. What, just do it. Well, do the melody one more time. I can't. No, I don't like to. I don't like but to. But i got to try to figure out what it is. It this sounds is like Chariots of Fire. Is it Chariots yeah, of Fire? Yeah, but that's not Jack Nicholson. 
<laughs> this is fascinating. This, you know, we should do some sort of a. We don't need reptiles. This is like a reverse tone deaf. Uh, name that tune. <laughs> there should totally be a name that tune with deaf people. Oh my God! That's the best idea I've ever had. Where like a deaf person comes on and sings a song, and then you try to get it. No one is acknowledging how genius this idea is. Do we have a deaf? Per do we have any deaf listeners? Damn, I wish I hadn't said that. Do we have... Um... Do we have any deaf listeners out there? <laughs> as soon as that was out of my mouth, I realized that was probably ill-advised. I'm looking for deaf listeners. You know what that is? That is irony right there. We're only taking calls from deaf listeners. That is the absolute definition of ironic right there. Um, okay, we should totally get a deaf person in here to sing us uh, a little snatch of a song, and then we'll see if we can nail it. Because then instead of... I mean, then instead of da 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 da, it would be like la la la, la you know, <laughs> and then they all just sound like System of a Down songs. <laughs> oh. Maybe I'm not thinking of Terms of Endearment. I'm, I can picture the song. Is it a bunch of athletes running around in the dirt? No. Well, that's Chariots of Fire. What are you thinking of? Are you sure it's Jack I'm, Nicholson? I thought it was Terms of Endearment with uh, Shirley MacLaine and yeah, yeah, and the death. Yeah, and there's all the dying and whatnot. I don't think there's a, I mean, I'm sure it has a score, but I wouldn't know, like, I don't, I, offhand, I can't sing theme from Terms of Endearment. I mean, I'm sure that there is one, but I'm saying I don't believe that was any kind of a crossover hit. We've gotten so far off the Okay, track. I found somebody, <laughs> some homemade YouTube video of the person playing it. All right, let's hear it. So this is the song you were thinking of. I never would have gotten this from what the noise you were making with your mouth. <laughs> I never would have recognized this. I don't think so. I mean, I've only seen Terms of Endearment once. Can I can I admit something right now too? I've only ever seen half of Beaches. I've only I've never seen the whole film. Oh well, you're a man. It's not necessary. I know, but I'm just you know I like I like to sort of know what's going on in my own culture. All right. Well, in any event, Beaches is one of the most amazing movies ever. See, here's somebody else who's saying that they think it's Chariots of Fire, though. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Yeah, Sarah was singing Chariots of Fire. I don't know what I don't know what she was thinking. So you were thinking this song, but you were singing Chariots of Fire. That's sort of interesting. Chariots of Fire is is a movie about, I do believe, the 1930 something Olympic Games. Is that right, Tim? Yeah. It's Olympics, and it's about. I do believe right. it's, it's uh, I think it's about the... Cross-country running. It's about that guy who wouldn't run on Sunday. He, yeah, he's, there was a Jewish athlete who would not run on the Sabbath, and so it was the collision of, of ambition and religion. Yeah. yeah. All right. So she was thinking chariots of fire, singing terms of endearment. I didn't identify either of them. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. All right. All right, bye. People don't say goodbye anymore. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I got one for you. Gone. All right. Mm-hmm, him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I hate people. <laughs> <laughs> but I love gatherings. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway. I'm trying to find chariots of fire now. You do that. It's 503-733-2970. This guy says that his wife would be mad at me because she's deaf. Well, lucky for all of us, she probably didn't hear me make that observation. Um... Should I take this call, Richie, or is this a guy who wants to... Is this going to be some guy who's, I'm going to come down and beat your ass, radio boy? Is this going to be... Is he amusingly angry, or is this... Is this going to be another one of those, yeah, like... I, I, I'm not in the mood for something. I come down there and you say that to my face. 
All right, let's find out. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson no, radio program. I'm not going to come down there and beat your ass. All right. I was just going to tell you, my wife's deaf, is she deaf in both ears? And she doesn't talk like that. She talks like you and me. Now, is that now? Did she uh, did she lose her hearing later in life, or was it from no, birth? No, she was from birth. Now, I thought the deal was that if you lost your hearing later in life, uh, that you retained some semblance because you sort of you have muscle memory basically well, in terms of how to speak. When she was born, when she was born, she got stuck in the birth canal and they left her in for like 24 hours. Wow! And then they finally got her out, and it caused nerve damage in her in her ears. And but. Her parents, you know, when she was younger, her dad wouldn't let her use it as a crutch. Oh, so he, he made he, so he, he made sure he that she could sort of. Now, how do you now when she speaks? Does it sound? I mean, does it sound more or less like uh, like the speech of someone who can hear? Like us. Now, how does that work? How do they? I mean, I guess this is a bigger question we can even answer here. But that's kind of fascinating. How would they even? How would they even do that? She's an anomaly, is what all of her audiologists have told her. Right. Because they don't understand why she talks so well. Because she should be, you know. <laughs> but yeah, right. I make I make fun of her a lot. Well, so. yeah, but as long as her back is turned, then it's probably not an issue. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you, my friend. Yep. No All problem. Right, there you go. There's that guy. Cool. <laughs> What's fantastic is even though he called him, you know, my wife would be angry. Literally, it took him like about 15 seconds, and he was doing the thing at the end. So. Uh, I don't even want to say, you know, these are all going to be people just singing tuneless little ditties over the phone. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Hey, you know, the last song that I can remember being a top ten instrumental hit was Love Theme by uh, the Love Unlimited Orchestra. Remember that? Yes, I remember that. Yes, I do. And I was also going to say Theme from a Summer Place. I would yeah, say Theme really from a Summer that. Place, by the way, that's the most overplayed instrumental of all time. No, I think it's Love is Blue. What is Love yeah. is Blue? Paul Moriarty is working. All right. Yeah, so now we're going to have to go back and do it. We should do a top five overplayed instrumentals of all time. How about Tijuana Taxi? Oh, boy. Tijuana Taxi is like that, too. Wow. Oh, yeah. All right. Great show, Rick. Best Thank you. Ever. All right. There you go. Here's the one I was thinking of, though, when I was saying that I think the era of the instrumental hit in this country is over, which is strange because we really have entered the era of the producer again as opposed to the era of the songwriter or the singer. Uh, and that's a lot of, you know, a lot to do with, with hip-hop and the influence of people like Dr. Dre and the Neptunes. Um, but we've now entered the, the era where the producer is kind of God again. So you'd think that it would be more instrumental hits, but I think that uh, a lot of the instrumentation of music now doesn't really lend itself to listening without music. Anyway, so I think I'm saying for me, I think the last, I think the last top ten instrumental hit in America, and it was number one, uh, was, in fact, I think I've got it right here. I think it was... I think the Miami Vice theme was oh. the last number one instrumental in this country. I don't think there's been another one since then. And that's, Jesus, that's over 20 years old, I would think. I think that's like 1986, something like that. Because before that, they happened all the time. I mean, we used to get uh, instrumental hits in this country constantly. The three, four, like Sleepwalk, that's another one. Oh, yeah. That kind of sounds like a Star Wars theme now that I'm thinking about it. Wow, <laughs> wow. Oh, no. Well, now I'm just doing the Star Wars thing. That is the Star Wars that was, that thing. Yeah, but I was trying to do Sleepwalk by... Who does Sleepwalk? It's like Santo Carlos and Johnny. and Johnny. Yeah, Santo and Johnny. Carlos and Johnny. I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> Richie Valen's dead. All right. Um, well, we'll get... the. If you're on hold, hang tight. We'll get some more calls here in just a few. Have we even started the program? Nope. Oh. Jesus, God. All right. Um... 
Anyway, Lisa Desjardins will join us today. Steve Kassam, I'm James Roop. Uh, we will, though... Uh, oh, this is how we got off into this. This is where the, the, the fork in the road happened. So we're just talking about instrumentals. Uh, later on, we'll do the... Uh, we'll either do it as a top five. We might actually just do it as a segment where we just play them. Um, well, the uh, top five spoken word hits of all time. Uh, and these have to have been hits. It can't just be like some obscure thing that your cousin put out in like one of those recording booths at the mall. Uh, so we'll do top five spoken word hits. Uh, we'll do another exciting installment of Goth or Not. Goth or Not. Uh, we have uh, today... Uh, a pair of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire this coming Friday, June 27th at the Amphitheater at Clark County. Tickets also available at all Ticketmaster outlets or Ticketmaster.com. Uh, so Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets today. And another Night of the Champions prize pack uh, from the WWE. Also, don't forget, later on this week we'll do the Glorious Bastard of the Week, and they win a Nature Boy Ric Flair three-disc uh, DVD set. So that's all coming up. Um, all right. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. The McKinney Coffee Company will open up a downtown Portland store within the next two weeks, featuring steadily clad baristas. An 18-wheeler gets stuck inside an Oregon City tunnel. Squaw Peak will shed its derogatory name. 14 patrons become ill after eating at a Longview Chinese restaurant. Long-nailed women hate the iPhone. It's got to be 100 degrees this weekend for four days. Really? Yeah, or close to it. How can it be 100 degrees this weekend for four days? <laughs> it's a long weekend. Well, beginning this weekend for four days. Okay. Beginning A bedroom mischief is causing health problems for Hugh Hefner. A Florida man gouges out an alligator's arms after it tears his arm off. Gouges out its arms? I mean his eyes. Ew. Uh-huh. Uh-oh, it's going to be one of those days, isn't it? Join the day is always my lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello, how are you today? Oh, doing swell. Be best day ever. Best day ever. I woke up this morning and had a fabulous bike ride, and I finally put my curtains up last night, so um, I actually slept through the morning today. Excellent. The, the blinding sunlight's been waking me up every day. Me too. You know what I did last night? Uh, you know what I did? This is because you put up the curtains. Now, did you put up curtains or like, I mean, with these homemade curtains, like where you hung a blanket over the window? I have, or? Yeah, I have one curtain where they, they should have curtain rods, but um, like somebody long ago nailed something like next to the window so I didn't right. from the nails. So it's all like wonky and looks totally ghetto, but it served its purpose. So. That's okay. You know, I looked like Mrs. Howell this morning, but because I, I put on one of those sleeping masks oh, uh, last night. That's just. <laughs> I did sleep with earplugs this morning, though, because they're doing construction next to my house at 8 a.m. Oh, see, I don't have that. I just have the bright ball of sun that pours into the bedroom. So, no, I totally look like Lovey Howell. I mean, and it's like just... It's just like the gayest looking thing ever because it has like lace around it. It's like all frilly. <laughs> I don't even know where you'd find it's one my, of Well, those. it's Laura's. It's, she bought it. Laura bought it. It's not mine, baby. It's my wife's. Uh... Laura bought it, but then, of course, she ended up not needing it. She turns it, you know, she bought it because there was a time when she was working graveyard. And she was like, well, you know, I, I'm never going to be able to sleep through the day. I'm going to be working graveyard. I'm going to be able to sleep. So she bought the sleeping mask. Turns out she doesn't really need it. She turns out she can just, like, sleep like a rock through the sun. Mm -hmm. But I, of course, uh, I, of course, it's the last night I'm trying to find, where's that sleeping mask you bought? And it was just like a cavalcade of, of, of the... Of, it was just a disaster after oh, it disaster. Oh, it's crazy because you know, like, when you need them, you need it. Like, because I'm trying to find it last night. And, of course, where do I find it? I find it on the bedroom floor underneath the bed, jammed up against a wall and covered in dog hair and dirt. So then I'm just, like, I'm just laboriously cleaning it and, like, running it through the washing machine or whatever. And then I can... Anyway, so I go, so I go to sleep last night. And then I had, <laughs> then I had that thing happen this morning where the, the alarm goes off. And for just... 
for just half a second, I thought I was blind. <laughs> oh, no. The alarm goes off, and, all right, I'm, oh, God! You know, and then I, I realized it was just a sleeping mask. But there was just this half a beat this morning when I thought that I had gone blind during the night. <laughs> Oh, boy. oh, I'm a retard. I saw a startling sight when I looked out my living room window yesterday. Someone had actually left a car with a flat tire within my view. Really? Did you have it towed away? Uh, somebody did. Somebody uh, similar to you, but not, not you? And it was an American car from, like, the 1990s with a flat tire parked within my eye shot of a beautiful park. Now, do you suppose that, I mean, how long had it been there? Do you suppose that maybe they'd walk for help? No, no. It's been there a couple of days. Oh, okay. That's really? Limit. Oh, okay. I was just going to say. You mean the limit of the person that had it towed? Yes. Whoever that might have been. Whoever that might have been. Tom, Tom Reilly. Yes. Have that done. <laughs> All right. Excellent. And now he's much happier that he gets a full view of the gazebo now. <laughs> I have an old American car with a flat tire. And uh, this house comes with a uh, view of a Chevy Chevette. Uh, all right, excellent. So anyway, so I managed to I managed to sleep well last night. Went to bed around midnight. Woke up around seven thirty this morning. Uh, had the sleeping mask on. Slept uh, the sleep of the dead. It was fantastic. Um, all right, so it, it's a couple of things to get to. Oh, we'll also have a Darwin watch coming up today. Double religious nutcase watch coming up today, starring James Dobson. Uh, we'll get some phone calls here in a second. Watched a movie last night. I don't even know that I can. It was interesting. I saw. Uh, I watched this movie, The Signal, last night which is a horror film that just uh, hit DVD a few, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago. It came out about six months ago in theaters, and it just hit DVD. If anybody's seen The Signal, you know what I'm talking about. It's just a really bizarre film. I don't even, I'm not even going to spend a lot of time talking about it, because I just... But it's about... Uh, it's about... Uh, one afternoon, all of the electronic devices in the city, presumably the whole world, but in this one city, just start putting out this weird staticky signal that drives everybody crazy. And so the deal is... If you are exposed to a radio, television, cell phone, you know, any sort of electronic signal, the deal is it just starts sending out the signal that, tell, that, that turns everyone homicidal. And so it's like one day, like a, a switch is flipped and everybody in the city goes crazy and becomes homicidal. It's um, kind of an experimental Isn't film. Isn't that kind was, of like The Happening? Uh, yeah, I guess they don't want to ruin. I I haven't seen it, but one of my friends told me about. Uh, the happening is sort of a sort of a similar deal, yeah. Because so, they become all. Yeah, they be all with this. Well, this the happening I think is where they all kill themselves. Yeah. I'm spoiling it. I don't care. Uh, it's where they all <laughs> kill themselves. In the signal, though, and again, you find this on the ten seconds, whatever. One day, the, the TV just starts putting out this weird noise, and it just turns everybody into a homicidal lunatic. So, kind of an interesting film. I can't give it a full thumbs up, but I would. I would say it's worth a watch. You get it on DVD if it's on HBO. I would say you definitely... It's a movie told in three parts. The first part and the third part are horror. The middle part is a comedy. I, I know it just sounds like the weirdest thing, but anyway, so there's that. What else? Oh, I had a great idea last night. Here's the best, most obvious idea that doesn't exist. So, uh, Laura and I were sitting around last night. We had dinner, and she was finishing this movie, uh, this, uh, this Spanish film called Talk to Her, um, which is by the guy that did Ichumama Tambien. And so we're, we're sitting there in the living room, and she's watching that, and it's foreign, so I don't really care. So I'm just staring off into space. And I was looking at the air conditioner in our living room, and I was thinking about, cue old person, I was thinking about how damn hot it was. And then I realized this, most obvious adventure that doesn't exist. Solar-powered air conditioner. Can I get an amen? I mean, maybe John McCain will give you $300 million. But think about it. Why would there not be a solar-powered air conditioner? Lottery. I'm just... Because an air conditioner, by definition... I mean, I guess you use it at night, maybe. But, I mean, an air conditioner, by definition, is used a lot of times during hot, long, warm, sunny 
summer days. Because I was just sitting there, and while she was watching this film, uh, I was just sort of staring blankly around the room like a, like a small... Uh, Enfeebled child looking for spiders. Just looking around and just no. I mean, the dog and I have basically the same hobbies. We sit in the living room, we stare blankly into space for long periods of time. And I was looking at the air conditioner, and I was thinking about air conditioners. I think we all know take a disproportionate amount of power. That's what jacks up your power bill so much. You know, if it's summertime and you got your air con, how many times your dad tell you that growing up? Turn off that air conditioner. I'm not made of money. Uh, and and which makes no sense because he bought the air conditioner. He must have wanted to use it when he bought it. But you think about how you run the air conditioner. It's like you run the air conditioner in your car. Just, it just saps your gas mileage. You run the air conditioner at home, doubles your electricity bill. First of all, I don't understand why the electri- uh, why the air conditioner takes so much electricity. I mean, your refrigerator doesn't take that much electricity. Why does the air conditioner take so much power to run? And then I started thinking about, well, you always need it because it's so bright and it's sunny and it's hot. So why isn't there a solar-powered air conditioner? It makes no sense at all that that doesn't exist. So I want for somebody to create that now. Uh, so that I may purchase it. There you go. Um, all right. That is a really good idea. I just don't know why it doesn't exist already. Maybe it does. Maybe. I don't know. I would absolutely, because you'd think it would, you'd think no matter how expensive it was, you know, it would sort of pay for itself. Uh, let's get a couple of these calls. Hey, and I don't even know if we want to talk about this, because it made me so angry on Sunday that I almost couldn't speak, uh, and so I don't know if we want to talk about it again. Do you have this thing about the cop that was arrested for the Craigslist prostitution thing? No, I haven't. No. This Sherwood officer, uh, blah, 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 blah. His name is um, Dan Jacober. Jacober? Jacober. Uh, Dan Jake, 16-year veteran of the force who got busted for allegedly, I don't know, he was allegedly going to pay some girl to bonk him that he met off Craigslist. Anyway. Uh, well, maybe we'll touch on it later. The whole thing just makes me It angry. does look like solar-powered air conditioners uh, exist. Is that true? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you just put it out there in the sun and it works and it just spits out cold air? Okay. That really seems like the closest thing we have to a perpetual motion uh, device. Solar-powered air conditioners and solar air conditioning and heating systems are available in sizes ranging from 5 tons to hundreds of tons. Solar thermal collectors power the systems using thermal energy from the sun to drive an absorption chiller. I don't understand what that means, except to say that I don't need anything 5 tons. I just need something that will cool my living room. Also, this... I mean, you think about a calculator. If you get like one of those little handheld solar-powered calculators, which I think all calculators... When is the last time anybody bought a calculator? You had to use batteries for it. All calculators are now run by the sun. Isn't that right, Tim? So I bought one at the dollar store. It's perfect. Yeah. I mean, it, you never it's have gigantic to... gigantic, but so, it works. But it works. It just works with the power of a desk lamp or whatever. And, I mean, those things can calculate enough uh, math to get you to the moon and back. Mm-hmm. So how is it not possible that I can just buy an air conditioner, has like one solar power on the top, uh, you know, and then... Absorbs the sun, spits out chilled air. All right. Well, I'm just saying. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick. Hello, you. Rick, it's Robert from Poland. Hello. Hello, sir. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, you are speaking to thousands of people. Thank you, Rick. I'm calling from Poland. Uh, I've just been over here the local news lately. I saw something on Channel 6 last night, the local news. Here in Portland? Peterson has a, uh, a convenience store right on the light rail stop at 10th and Morrison. Yes. Yeah, Peterson's, yeah, there was two of them, isn't there? There's yeah, two. there's three downtown total, yeah. one on the Yamhill stop and one on 4th Avenue near the Greek Cuisina. Yes, sir. You know, the city's evicting it. As, uh, they're saying that uh, that particular store, you know, is uh, bad for the neighborhood because of all the riffraff in the area. Oh, they're okay. Actually... I know the one you're talking about because there's the one that I was thinking of, which is by the Greek Cuisina, and then you're talking about the one that, yeah, is up on Morrison and, what'd you say, 10th? Yeah, right at 10th Morrison. Right I totally know where that is. So he, they're it's, it's across from all the uh, construction. So they're evicting him from the store because of what? Well, what happened is uh, the Brooks Brothers department store, like, moved in in the Galleria Mall there. Right, yeah. 
And then they started complaining of all the the, the 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 bad element in the neighborhood, and he's looking at the Petersons and they're walking in out of there, and they're like the you know, bad element is his fault. Some city hall officials, so the city decides to evict Petersons after 23 years. That doesn't seem legal, Tim. Is that legal? If, if it's uh, you know, if they own it, yes, they can do that. But the city, but uh, the city owns the property, yeah, and they have yeah. they, they, you know they've kept the, that particular Peterson store mm -hmm. on a month to month lease basis. Well, I'm give him a long term lease, so he's not going to like. He wants to renovate the stores, so he just did that down in the Fourth Avenue store. Well, I'm displeased by that news. Oh, I'm just saying this. You know, the reason the reason I call this is you had that uh, the the recap was talking about all the snakes and stuff like that, and that got me thinking about all these city hall officials how they're acting. <laughs> Maybe I'm insulting snakes too much. I don't know. That is a connection worthy of myself, sir. Because... All right. Well. Well, that kind of annoys me. I like convenience stores in general, and I like that place specifically. Well, that sucks. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that news with me, sir. Hey, thank you for uh, listening, Rick. Thank How you, my all? friend. Keep listening. Thank you. There you go. There's that guy. All right. Uh, well, we should probably take a break here because it's like 32 after. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, on the other side, uh, we may do a pair of... In fact, let's do this. Uh, Richie, we're going to take a caller now. We'll take fifth caller uh, to play Goth or Not for Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 uh, to play Goth or Not for a pair of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire this coming Friday at the Amphitheater at Clark County. Uh, tickets also available at Ticketmaster.com. Uh, and then we'll be back after this with Steve Kastenbaum as well. Stay there. It's the Rick. That's for you, Rick. Thank you. I want to hear like a AM 970, the talker. AM 970. You know, but it, it's like if we were some lame, like if we were a conservative uh, talk radio station, that's this would be. And now, live Lord. from Portland. Totally, it would be Lars Larson. <laughs> it is the Lars Larson radio program. It is Tuesday, and what is going on with the Obama campaign? Later on, my guest, Dr. James Dobson, will be here. We'll talk about more failed liberalism and uh, global warning purveyors. Boy, have they, have they gone nuts. We're going to have a study you will not believe. You want to stick around to hear that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, turn it oh off. I know. Oh, you have Stop. to turn it off. Okay. Why, why do I? That was too accurate. Why do I have that ability? Because oh. it goes to show. Never mind. Jesus. Well, some someday when they eventually tire of my shenanigans here, I can just market myself out as a conservative. You could totally hack. do it. Jesus. All right. Well, and anyway. I could totally be your um, hack sidekick. Totally. Exactly. I'll and laugh then, at all your jokes. And get like a rhymes. Get like a bedazzled um, like tank top thing that says like Republican. Oh. Sexy Republican. Uh, that's, or what is Laura in? No, rock and roll mom. Oh, yeah. man. No. Yes. Um, let's see here. Did I ever show you that book, that Laura Ingram book, where it says, it's, it, it is literally like her leaning up against a red, and she's like 80 years old, leaning up against a red convertible with like this really tight tank top, clearly stuffed, by the way. Uh, and then it says, like, in... It's just so sad you can tell how old someone is by their version of sexy. It's like, because <laughs> she can identify with 1987 sexy. And it says, like, conservative, like, across her boobs. It's just, like, the worst thing you've ever seen. <laughs> you look at it, you just kind of go, oh, sweetie, no. No, I it's don't think so. so bad. Really, no. And it's, she is... 
that we never did get to this list of 14 songs that you never need to play in a barroom jukebox again, but she is, she, I will give you this, Laura Ingram is number 14. All I Want to Do by Sheryl Crow. Who plays, who plays this song on the jukebox? 45-year-old wannabe cougar who, despite having been totally beaten down by her dead-end job as a real estate agent, thinks she can relate to the free-spiritedness this song represents. She could totally drink beer at noon on a Tuesday if she didn't Stop have to be at talking. work. Stop talking. Stop talking. No, 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 I have to finish this. No. She could totally drink beer on a Tuesday at noon if she didn't have to be at work. She could also totally drive down Santa Monica Boulevard with some guy named Billy or Mac or Buddy if she didn't have to pick up her kids from soccer practice. So instead of going all Thelma and Louise, she ends up dancing with her other cougar friends before calling it a night in time to catch Grey's Anatomy. So there you go. That hurts. That's, uh, that hurts. <laughs> it, it hurts because it's true. It is so true. Uh, all right. Let's uh, now welcome to the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program caller number five. Hello, sir. All right, are you ready to play goth or not, my friend? Absolutely. All right, here's the deal. I will read you a goth poem. You must tell me if it's one I found on the Internet or one that I wrote my own self. Uh, At stake here, a pair of tickets to see Earth, Wind, and Fire this coming Friday at the uh, amphitheater at Clark County, uh, and also a Night of the Champions prize pack uh, from the WWE. Are you ready, sir? Yep. All right, I will read the poem, after which you must tell me if it is real or fake. Here we go, goth or not. Void. No. Emotions fail to take me. I existed for feelings which now mean nothing. My life, my being, are now nothing. I do not exist. I cannot feel. Inside, so deep, trapped, are my emotions, lying dormant, unable to escape. If only they were free. I feel the need to weep. Yet cannot. I am dead. All right, sir. God, I hope that's fake. Is that <laughs> is that, uh, is that a, a poem off the internet or is that one that I wrote? Ah, uh, that's the internet. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Uh, that one is simply untitled. Uh, I did, in fact, find that on uh, on the internet. Thank you, sir. Congratulations. You're going to see Earth, Wind, and Fire, and you won a WWE uh, prize pack. And really, in terms of prize packs and it just rewards for being correct at a contest, let's now acknowledge that there's nothing less goth than going to see Earth, Wind, and Fire and winning something for the WWE, you know? Absolutely. All right, my friend, I'll put you on hold. Richie, will you get that guy's uh, information there? You're going to see Earth, Wind, and Fire, and you get a prize pack from the WWE. Congratulations. Uh, to everybody else, uh, we'll do another round of this uh, maybe later on today, so uh, keep listening. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City, CNN Radio Correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey. How's life, brother? How are things? Okay, you know, I hear that poem, and I hear an author who is actually very much in touch with their emotions. <laughs> Fine. I also like... Uh, poems that end with the revelation that the author is, you know, is deceased. That it's you know, being told from the point of view of a person. Because, like so many of these goth poems, they have, um, like, the weird vampiric imagery in them or something. So, yeah. in any event. Yeah, I got pages of this. I mean, it's just, it's so easy to find bad gothic poetry in the Internet. I mean, you, you really don't even, I mean, a good, you know, 30 seconds of searching, you've got yourself 9, 10, 12 pages of really bad, trite writing that seems like some sort of, like they came out of, like they showed up for just the last 25 minutes of a creative writing course taught by Anne Rice, you know? 
the average age of the author being 15. Exactly. All right. Um, anyway, and the other great image about this, though, is you see that you see the suburban author writing all this angsty goth poetry and then, like, taking a time out to walk into the living room to get, like, another glass of iced tea from mom and dad and then walking back into the bedroom. Uh, You're right. All right. Uh, I, t I went back and forth about whether I even want to talk about this Don Imus thing today. Um, but I, I suppose only... Only because A is you know, a a fellow broadcaster in some sense, and B just because I don't even know I, I've I haven't actually heard this quote, but I read the article last night that apparently he said said something that somebody then started to to screech about, uh, and then I think he he tried to clarify the remarks or whatever. But uh, anyway, so so what what is what is what is the deal, Steve Kastenbaum? Okay, uh, I'll try and be as concise as possible. So yesterday, Don Imus and his crew were talking about Adam Pacman Jones, uh, suspended quarterback from the Dallas Cowboys, and how he wants to drop the nickname Pacman. Now, during that discussion, it comes up that he has been arrested six times in his lifetime, to which Don Imus said the following on the Don Imus show. What color is he? He's African-American. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Now I know. Now, Don Imus later said what he meant was, the guy was being picked on because he was black. That's why he's been arrested so many times. But, of course, Don Imus being the great communicator that he is, you can never tell when he's being sarcastic and when he's being himself. Well, and it's, uh, you know, and uh, Tim Riley and I were talking about this today, and neither of us had actually heard the quote. We'd only sort of heard about the story, which is, like, always always the worst way to be opining about something. But, you know, but, of course, what I said is, you know, however, however he might have meant it or whatever it meant or didn't mean, of course, the problem with Imus, right, is it's like a one-two punch. Uh, right is that, you know, you sort of get so many strikes with this kind of a thing, and he's already kind of got the one the one big mark against his name already, so everything he says is just going to be hyper-scrutinized from this point on. Exactly, and there definitely are people monitoring his show, which is why this came out and became a story. But but tell me, do you hear sarcasm in his voice? What color is he? He's African-American. Oh, well, there you go. Now I know. It's so hard to say because that guy is just... You can never, you can never really get a handle, uh, I think, on what he means when he says half of that stuff. You can't read him at all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it's tricky, uh, you know, uh, and especially because it's so difficult now to listen to Don Imus and to separate him. It, 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 I mean, even because it's only been, what, a year ago that he got blown out? When did he get fired? Less than a year ago. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's still difficult to sort of look at him past the whole veil of all of this crap that he went through. Uh, year, year, year and a half ago, whatever it was. So, in any event, well. So this, so this morning he comes on the air and he starts defending himself. Some people uh, buy his explanation, uh, and others say he's backpedaling. But uh, he said a lot of things like this. My point was, that there's no reason to arrest this kid six times. He's a, he's a football player. He's a lovely kid. I don't know anybody who would describe Adam Jones as a, a lovely kid. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. I know absolutely nothing about sports. A, why does a grown man have the, the nickname of Pac-Man? And B, why is he no longer uh, wanting the name of Pac-Man? You know, I, I hate to do this, but I'm probably going to lose points with the men in your audience. I'm not a football fan. You know, I know absolutely zero about sports. I have my, my – uh, you could fit all of my sports knowledge into the navel of a flea, my friend. Uh, okay. 
then we're together then. Because I'm not, a, I'm not a football fan. I like baseball a lot, but not football at all. All I really know is I read this article this morning that said that he was trying to drop the, the nickname Pac-Man. He didn't want to be called that anymore. And I sort of immediately assumed that it was for marketing purposes. Uh, that, you know, if he has any kind of a profile, you want to be merchandising yourself. And, of course, you can't do that if Namco in Japan is going to own the nickname, you know, own the, the, the trademark on your nickname. So. Yeah. Something about uh, it's associated with with negative things. I think that was his reason for wanting to drop it. Let me just say this. Speaking of an entirely different kind of Pac-Man, you know they're making a live-action Pac-Man film? Really? I swear to God. Uh, we had a news story the other day about, uh, there was some, I forget what the studio was, but some studio that's licensed a whole bunch of video game and cartoon properties from the 1980s to be made in the live-action films. Among them, a live-action Smurfs movie, which... Like, I guess you could almost see, and then buried deep within the article, about the fifth sentence in, uh, there was this line where it says, Among the properties to be made into live-action films are an adaptation of the popular Namco 1980s video game Pac-Man. So, wow. So, yeah. like, along, along the lines of, uh, of the Hulk or, or, or Iron Man. Right? Uh, I, I suppose, although I'm just really trying to extrapolate out of my head what kind of a plot you would derive from the Pac-Man video game. I mean, so, anyway, so roll that around inside your brain, my friend. One right. good idea, really, you get one good idea in this life, and you can just milk that for money the rest of your time on this, on this planet, really. So. Wow. Pac-Man, yeah. the action, the action character. I'm trying to figure out what that would be. All I really remember watching, I remember watching that 1980s Pac-Man cartoon uh, where he lived in, like, Paconia, uh, or whatever the hell that town was, and there was the weird guy with the Darth Vader mask and the red robe that, like, lived in a castle on the hill or <laughs> something. Or maybe, I don't even know if I'm remembering it correctly. So there you go. Um, oh, wait, oh, I have this, too. Um I, I meant to have, because, you know, I just got, like, all of this boundless energy, as uh, my therapist would say. And so I sometimes channel that into coming up with these sort of sidebar articles or spin-off news subjects for you. I meant to have this one put together, and I didn't really get it in time, so I'm going to try to have it by tomorrow. So okay. you were covering all these teens in Gloucester who purportedly yes. had this pregnancy pact. Yes. And so my Sarah made this observation yesterday that this was just, like, one day away from being turned into a Lifetime movie. Uh, you know, one of the, one of those made-for-TV films starring... Uh, Later on, we need to come up with a name for the Lifetime that's, movie. No, that's... See, there you go. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. That's what is the, wrong with us? Uh, okay. Because we are kindred spirits, Sarah. So I had this written down. Pregnancy Pack TV movie titles. So I meant to have that uh, done for you by now. But I'm going to try to come up with a title for the teen pregnancy made-for-TV film. Well, this story hasn't died, so you've, you've certainly got some life left in it. And, uh, yeah, because... The mayor was talking about how that they couldn't find any evidence to confirm that there was a pact. Uh, and when they questioned the principal about where he had heard this, uh, the mayor said, and I'm quoting now, his memory failed him. Uh -huh. What is that? Yeah. Uh, what is that? What, 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 that was Reagan's response, right? I have no recollection of that incident at this time. Or uh, I, I misremembered, as uh, Roger <laughs> Clemens said. If mistakes were made. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, my friend. Well, we'll try to have that. Uh, are you on tomorrow? Yes, I am. All right, we'll try to have that for you tomorrow because uh, otherwise it's going to be one of those ideas that we generate here and then I never do anything with it. So okay, great. Remind me to, to talk uh, to bring up uh, the, the naked cowboy uh, lawsuit in, in Times Square tomorrow. Also done and done. Okay. All right, my friend Steve Kastenbaum. There you go in New York City. Wonderful, excellent. All right, it's uh, well maybe we'll do that later on today. Pregnancy yeah. TV movies. I want to, how many babies? Well, seventeen girls. <gasps> Wait, are they all pregnant, Tim? I don't think so. Now there are varying articles coming out about this. I mean, the there story. No pact I mean, it was just changing so fast. So it, I, it, I have the best one. All I have is leader of the pact. Okay, can I throw one out? Yeah. Seventeen babies for seventeen babies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, that's awful.
Okay. Uh, I've been busy at the A970 website looking at those incredible videos from yesterday. The reptile videos? Yep. Are they embarrassing for me? Well, for someone. <laughs> I'm not saying. There's a nice video of Tim and I holding the tortoise. Yeah. Uh, are there a lot of videos of me standing on the refrigerator in the back of the room not shrieking lot, like an infant? Some. Yeah. Oh. I think. Oh, and the tortoise one with me and Sarah is on uh, my webpage at RatherLive.com. Excellent. And the rest of or at uh, 970. 970.am. Yeah, you go to 970.am, but halfway down you'll see. Uh, shrieking like a girl. I'm sure they do because, I mean, I was just. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, and let me just. It, it's just in my own defense, I will say, <laughs> devenomed or not, I was talking to, uh, to Court and Fatboy about that yesterday because they kind of came in late and, and missed the whole deal. And um, and they were like, well, you had like a snake or something in the studio? And I was trying to describe it. And, and I was talking about how the guy had a King Cobra here that was all hooded and like doing the whole thing where it like goes back and forth and you know, it looks like it's about to kill you. And Court from KUFO, he goes, he goes, well, that's pretty freaky. I mean, did it uh, did it feel weird to have just a pane of glass between you and that Cobra? And I said, what do you, what do you mean glass? And he goes, what well, was an aquarium, right? And I said, no, it was like on the, it was on the freaking counter. It was going over the call screening software. Yeah, it like climbed it, onto my board. It was slithering around on the board here where we on the counter where we do the show. And Court's, Court's response, he just shook his head really vigorously. He goes, no, f that, f the hell with that, f that man, no way. So the website does a real, I'm sorry, it does a fantastic job of linking. You just click and a window opens and it starts playing. Yeah, that's all Bridget from upstairs who did Bridget, that. Bridget, you rule. Uh, and then uh, Richie, who was good enough to, to film all of that yesterday and get it edited down uh, for her. So Richie and Bridget are a great team in getting things posted. So you go to 970.am. Dude, that Cobra video is messed up. I'm, I'm watching looking at it right it. now. I'm going to look at it right I now. I can't believe that it. thing was like two feet away from me. I haven't actually watched it. Let me, uh, by the way, I noted that I see that all of the little subtitles here are like, King Cobra scares Rick. Rattlesnake terrifies Rick. Rick hides on top of refrigerator. Uh, let's see here. Our system's running a little slow today. All right, let me see. Um, uh, see if I can get this to open. And we'll take a break. Okay, so here we go. So I'm looking at the. Uh, so I'm looking. God, God damn, that's creepy. Yeah. Uh, is there any sound on this? Okay, okay Richie, let's everybody back up. Everybody, let's, let's, let's open the web page. Yeah. It says you're the talent. Yeah. We don't want to lose the talent. Oh, this is where he hands me the We're snake stick. What is this you're handing me? This is a snake stick. The grabber. Snake stick. In case it gets loose, you handle it. Oh, good. We can see you standing on the refrigerator. Is it true? It's still buffering over here. Sure. Are you screwing with me? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I hate snakes! Wow. Wow. I am standing on the refrigerator. Seriously. It's just standing there staring. Oh. See, that's what I'm seeing. Looking at it again. Back. I, no, that was stupid. Why did we have that in here? Let me just say, I feel no shame about standing on top of the refrigerator. I'm looking at that thing right there. That's a freaking full-on King Cobra that was right here. And it's completely standing still. And it's still looking and at you. Stare. I know. It was staring right at me. That's right. And there's only one exit from the studio. Yeah. Now I'm, look, I'm looking at that right now. You know what? If I had it to do over again, I'd stand on that fridge once more. I don't blame you. I have, <laughs> I, uh, I have no embarrassment about that whatsoever. I was feeling kind of bad about it. Now I'm looking at this again. Cobra. Yeah. He's looking at you. On your and desk. it's staring right at... Right. Oh, my oh. gosh. Staring at you. How does that look... Really it knows I'm the leader. Hello. Take me to you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, can you do me... The best part is how it just has this unbroken stare right at you, Sarah. Oh, it was so freaky, and it doesn't move. No. It's just completely still. Yeah, it's just... It's like it's having some weird uh, sort of staring contest It is kind of you. hypnotic, though. Yeah. I remember just kind of looking at it. Everyone keep your hand on that. I will. Thank you. <laughs> Rick, I think he knows what he's doing. He's a professional. Seriously. No, I'm not I'm not saying for Whoa. 
He just wants to play. Uh -huh. yeah, isn't he's kind of happy looking. He is. Very dangerous. Oh. oh, that's where he's trying to get it to strike at his hand. Oh, you go first. Holy smokes, my friends. <laughs> oh, okay, I have to turn that off. It's freaking me out. Uh, so you can see all of these at 970. Uh, dot a. M. Isn't that weird to think uh, that less than 24 hours ago we had an alligator, a king cobra, and a rattlesnake all like in this room with us? Mm -hmm. What were we thinking? It was an all-star program. Stupid. You know what it is? That's one of those things. Like, uh, and and this is really this is one of the reasons we love Richie. But that's one of those things that I think we just sort of said casually one day. Like I think one day we were talking about alligators, and I just said offhand, "We should get an alligator in here someday," as though I were saying. I should play power forward for the Lakers. And then, and then, and then Richie, I got an alligator guy coming in tomorrow, so just so you know. So behold the power of, uh, behold the, power of the Bristol. Yes. All right. Have you news for us, Tim? And plenty of All right. Let's take a break. Come back after this. Tim Riley coming up later on. Top five spoken word songs uh, of all time. We'll have the uh, Religious Nutcase Watch coming up. Darwin Watch. Uh, James Roop and Lisa Desjardins. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. I have, to, I have to turn this off, otherwise I'm just going to... Uh... Oh, the video? Yeah, do you have the uh, my app over here? Let me just... Mm -hmm. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English on a bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English on a bagel. Jesus. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Hello again. Hello. 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 News is brought to you by Leif's Auto Collision Centers and Leif's.com. Call today. Find out what Leif's can do for you. That's Leif's Auto Collision Center. Well, looks like Bikini Coffee Company is opening up in downtown Portland. We understand somewhere around 5th in the next couple of weeks. This is a Salem-based company best known for outfitting its baristas in bikinis. In uh, 2006, uh, the first report came out of how Adam Marshall and Stephen Roten used the bikini barista's idea to give their Salem Coffee Nation driving a uh, jolt. And it worked. The marketing strategy increased sales by $1,000 a day. They added a second Salem location. And they're going to open uh, in a week or so. Wait, so is this based here? I mean, yes. in, in Oregon? Mm -hmm. So this is, uh, so they started it in where? In Salem? Salem. Uh, and then it's, uh, they've got, so they, they've got one here, then they're going to be starting one where? Downtown at the former Kaplan Sports World at 520 Southwest 5th Avenue. 520, I'm trying to think of where that even is. It's like by Camera World or something? Further 520 down. Southwest 5th. Yeah. So be right off Burnside? A little bit further in. So is it like a, but it's not, okay, so it's not a drive-through place. It's like an actual walk-in store. I guess so. All right. It's the former Kaplan Sports World. All right, the bikini. You know, it really is astounding in this world what you can market to guys if you just have it served by some girl with big cans and a bikini. I mean, really, there's just, I would be, I'd be curious to see if there's anything you couldn't sell that way. So, uh, all right, well, let me know when they're going to be opening Bikini Car Wash 2 starring Naraya Davis. Oh, gee, you hear about this uh, woman who had her eye socket broken? No, but let's hear about it now in excruciating detail. Well, it happened in the field at the Menlo Park Elementary School at Northeast 128th and Gleason. 
Apparently, this woman and her boyfriend passed uh, two white teenagers, and uh, apparently, one of them came up and broke her eye socket. So she was able to subdue the teens, and the couple left to call for help. By the time police arrived, the uh, attackers were gone, and this woman ended up in the hospital with a broken eye socket. So the uh, so the attackers are still at large. Yeah. All right. So do we have any other description of them? They're white. Other than that, they're ne'er do wells. Yeah. All right. They're hanging around uh, Menlo Park Elementary School. So they're so out there somewhere. What do they? But what? How, what do they attack her with? Uh, I believe themselves. <laughs> uh, let's. Oh, first they asked if uh, we wanted to buy weed, and we just kept walking. Then she said they began to insult her, and her boyfriend turned around to them and asked them what they said. Uh, they were just sitting on the edge of the fence, and this guy ran up to me. He said he. Oh, apparently he began wrestling with the boyfriend on the grass. And then the other uh, one came forward and hit her in the face. Oh, all right. So, yeah, yeah, I think a broken eye socket is at the top of the list of things I don't want to have happen. My friend had his eye socket broken. Ah, uh, just because it wouldn't it just be all pokey? Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, and it's not just pokey, but also like the muscle in his eye started oh. to attach oh, to the pokey oh, part. Oh, oh, I don't want to hear about yeah. that. Bring back the king crowbar. Yeah, I mean, and I don't even know how you fix that. I mean, you do. You can't put like a. You can't put a cast on your eye. I mean, what do they? Do they? Is that one of those things where they use like some weird medical super glue or something to uh, to like glue your eye socket back? Together? I didn't want to think about that. Let's move on. Well, let's talk about this uh, fight that ended in a shooting in Gresham. Like that's any big surprise. Uh, this happened last night. Uh, apparently, somebody got shot outside the Bogies restaurant <laughs> near the uh, Gresham Golf Course. Show me again, Sam. Uh, one person was transported to the hospital. Officers took one guy into custody. There's no word on the extent of the victim's injuries or prompted the fight. Other than they're in Gresham. Uh, several witnesses are being uh, uncooperative. Uh-oh, an 18-wheeler gets stuck in a tunnel. Did you hear about this? It no. happened in Oregon City, causing a big traffic jam. The big rig uh, got wedged inside the tunnel on Highway 99E when the driver uh, just didn't have a wide enough clearance. Uh, Chris spent the morning and early afternoon trying to get the rig out, and it wasn't easy, but eventually uh, they did. So apparently there, there wasn't enough uh, sufficient signage. I there. thought that there was some sort of a, but I thought there was like a standard tunnel height and a standard truck size. Apparently so. And though they have big signs, like you know, good clearance, 13 and a half feet or whatever. Plus, here's the other thing. Is it, was anybody hurt? Did no. I make fun of this? Okay. No. So here's the intriguing thing about that is you got to figure a guy's in an 18-wheeler. He's rolling down the road doing whatever, 40, 45 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's not like it's not like he got up to the tunnel and stopped and looked and said, hmm, I wonder if I can get through this. Let me roll through at two miles an hour. It Probably as though he was just going down the road full speed, got in the tunnel, and then just went, eh, and it just wedged him to a stop. I can't even imagine how you get the truck out of there. I mean, it, it seems like it would just be jammed in there like a cork. Uh-huh. All right. They managed yeah. to do it, though. Yeah. And they towed it away. American ingenuity. So they did that. Uh, Mayor Potter and four city council members have signed a letter in support of a proposed $4.2 billion bridge across the Columbia River. Two weeks before the council holds its first public hearing on this. Uh, they want to easily bottleneck an I-5, so why not build a bridge? It's going to cost $4.2 billion. This will be a six-lane bridge with a high-capacity 12-lane toll bridge with light rail going to the Cove and a wider bike and pedestrian path. Uh, so they want to build this. It has support from business, labor, labor, and government leaders on both sides of the Columbia. They want to uh, relieve the rush hour congestion that frustrates uh, commuters and truck drivers. So the bridge would go from where to the Cove? Where would it start? Here in Portland. But I mean, like, just right out of downtown or something? No, no, uh, up at the... Uh... That doesn't seem like it works. No, that wouldn't work. That's going to be like, that's going to have to be one big-ass freaking bridge. Uh-huh. <laughs> where would it... So where would the origination point be in Portland, do you suppose? It doesn't say. I, I, I would imagine close to where it is now. All right. Which is uh, 
past uh well it used to be that that diner and now it's going to be isn't it? going to be a toll bridge yeah they might as well charge people. do we have any of those here we don't have any toll roads here do we no that's a, that is an East Coast thing. I don't think yeah, they is. have better roads on the East Coast. Well, because of that, I mean, you know, and it's because you have to way to pay for them. So, all right. Yeah, I think it, cost, it used to cost like forty cents each way. Well, there's the Mass Pike. There are turnpikes in New Hampshire, uh, Vermont, and Connecticut. I'm sorry, we're already we're already just getting names for the um, we're already getting names for the baby packed movie. Uh, so this is don't call about this yet. We're not gonna, because otherwise it's going to take all the whole news hour. But I'm just going to read a couple of these because we were talking about how this thing about the Gloucester kids and their alleged. Let's all become pregnant. Pact was just destined to become a made-for-TV movie on Lifetime. So we've got a few of these. Gloucester Foster's baby roster. I like that. We also have, uh, let's see, um, contraceptives optional. The story of 17 unwed, unrepentant Gloucester teen idiots. How about this? Uh, girls who have never heard of college. Homeless dad, too. I just want my kid back. Well, we'll look. We'll, we'll do more of this later. Here's Tim Riley. Say, everybody needs a friend like this. The best thing about winning the lottery is driving someone to claim the prize. Gerald Bannock of Condon uh, matched all six numbers on the May 12th Megabox drawing, winning $6 million. His neighbor and best friend, Floyd, whose nickname <laughs> is Digger, Digger Odell, drove him to Salem. Digger to... Odell. Uh-huh. Isn't Digger Odell a fictitious character? Isn't Digger Odell... Isn't Digger Odell that guy from Ollie Hop Noodles' Haven of Bliss? Maybe. Maybe he's just in construction. But he doesn't like being called Floyd, apparently. Okay. Uh, so he drove his friend to Salem to collect the prize on Monday. The neighbor thanked him with $133,000. He joked it was the most expensive cab ride he ever had. <laughs> and after saving federal taxes, the prize was $1.9 million. Uh, besides giving the money to Odell, Bannock said he plans to pay bills come on some other people and provide his granddaughter with a college education. See, they always say that, but it never works out that way. That's in the first initial flush of having won Powerball or whatever. You've won like $50 million. And you always start... You know what it is? I would imagine that winning the Powerball is a lot like if you're getting married or you're doing some sort of an event, and you start to draw up the guest list. And then you realize that you either have to invite every single person you know... I was talking to somebody upstairs about this is getting married. You either have to invite everybody you know, or you have to invite no one. That's why Laura and I invited no one. Uh, because for every person you invite, then there's somebody else you can't leave out. There's someone else who then must be on the list, or they're going to take some sort of egregious personal offense at it. Plus, when people know you're getting married, they jack up the prices on everything. Oh, no, exactly. That's, uh, yeah, you, just, you get a huge target on your head, like, please extort all of my cash. So if you win $100 million, and you decide you're going to give, like, 500000 to your pal to let him, you know, to, to, like, let you, you know, cheat off his tests all through college or something... Suddenly, you've got 700 people uh, that you knew in the past who can all probably make a case that you owe them something or other. So it's best just to move to some sort of a fortified compound and avoid all human contact in the future. A crazy house has been closed down. The state has shut down a controversial group home in Cornelius because a mentally unstable man escaped. The house is a secure treatment center for the mentally ill, primarily uh, people who are found not guilty due to insanity for crimes including violent sexual offenses and assaults. Last week, a 53-year-old resident used a chair to climb over a fence and was found outside a convenience store. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm oh. not laughing. Wait, what kind of criminal was he? Uh, let's see. 50. Uh, he wasn't accused of any crimes, it says here. He was just there. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't well, make well, it. It doesn't say what he was wanted for. Okay, but he was. Let's back up. First of all, I'm just... not guilty except for insanity for crimes that included violent sexual offenses and assault. So I'm not we laughing don't know primarily what he was in. For. I'm not laughing at violent sexual assaults, uh, assaults or, or crimes. So this little Alcatraz of Cornelius it can be easily escaped. It can be defeated the with a chair. Mm-hmm. 
That's really what it took to... So you, let me understand this. So you, you've got violent sexual criminals and your continued incarceration of them and your protection of the public from them depends this on their a, inability to use a chair. This is just a regular old stockade <laughs> fence around the track to why, by God, Jesus, you're it completely like a, right. Uh, 70s tract home. I was going to say, this looked like this looked like any number of the houses that my friends lived in when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So as long as they never figure out how to stand on a chair, we're going to be safe from them. <laughs> well done, Cornelius. But, but read the bottom line there why he didn't want to go back. Jesus. Uh, use a chair to climb over a fence. The patient who was not accused of any crimes. Why was he in the home if he was not accused of any crimes? Oh, uh, after escaping. Oh, told police he didn't want to go back because, quote, the staff is crazier than the residents. Well, that's great. It's a whole story filled with the ick. Right, there you go. Uh, jail documents say two sons of a Turner couple held on charges of child abuse told detectives their parents punished them by hitting them with two-by-fours and pieces of iron pipe. Are you kidding me? And they're creepy-looking people, too. Let me see. Oh, 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 that's completely creepy. Mm-hmm. I said creamy-looking people for a second. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? No. Boy, this guy on the left, you know what it is? It's not so much the beard. It's not so much the beard as it is the facial expression right there. Mm-hmm. That guy, uh, that's a whole lot of uh, That's a whole lot of crazy right there. Well, Wait, the documents say the sons of Grayton and Robin Drown. All right, they're going in the book, by the way. Said the children would rehearse stories to tell people about their injuries because oh, if they told the truth, me? they received beatings. Uh, All right. They have nine children, and they've been arrested, held on one hundred eighty thousand dollars bail. All right. Their ages six weeks through sixteen years. All of these kids have been put in uh, foster homes. All right. What are the parents' names? The parents are Grayden. Grayden. Can you spell that? G R A Y D O N. And Robin. Uh, with a Y or an I. A Y. Okay. Drown. As like, in drown people. All right. As in it would be a shame if somebody in the story were to drown. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. Beat children. Many children. All right. And... Okay, great. So they are in the book, and they will be dealt with in the appropriate fashion at the appropriate time, and will clearly get what needs to be done. All right. Here's Tim Riley. A uh, small peak near Ashland known as Squaw Peak is the latest site in Oregon to drop its name, considered derogatory to American Indians. Now, did we figure out if that was actually true or not? I think we did. I yeah. think we had a discussion about this a long time ago, but I can't really remember. I don't really remember what the outcome of it was. Apparently, the, the uh, word squaw is considered an insult toward women by Indians. Anyway, they changed the name to Tiowiwi Point. <laughs> Which is only an insult to people who like to be able to pronounce things. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, although the Squaw Peak name was never officially recognized, Oregon had 1.172 Squaw places. Uh, since then, they've kept the number down to 120, so they are doing better. Uh, all right. By the way, so I'm looking here just, just once and for all. Uh, I am looking here. It is the phonetic spelling of an Algonquin Indian uh, word meaning woman that is used in numerous Algonquin dialects. Apparently, the entire this is according to Wikipedia. Uh, apparently, the claim that it somehow means you know some variation on like horror or something comes from uh, is largely based on the claim of a woman who was a guest on the Oprah Winfrey Show in 1992. However, according to curator and senior, uh, let's see, a curator and senior linguist in the anthropology department of the Smithsonian Institution, that's made up. So there you go. So 
So Oprah's the one that made all this up. I'm not saying Oprah made it up, but apparently there was a woman who... You know what it is, but this, this may be related to... Oprah not related. Says. This may be unrelated to, but similar to that stat that I also think was spread on the Oprah Winfrey show. That, uh, that garbage statistic they throw out every year about how domestic violence allegedly goes up during the Super Bowl, uh -huh. which is, of course, which has been disproved like a thousand different times. How could that be? I mean, guys uh, routinely ignore women. Well, because... <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that, that would be the day that most women are ignored. <laughs> that is your safest day as a woman. <laughs> your, your wife-beating husband will be otherwise occupied. <laughs> Seriously, I, I believe that to be true. Uh, normally, I'd be beating you today, but right now I'm going to be eating some uh, smoked meat products and watching the big game. So uh, you have a day off from bruising. Uh, but there was some woman who went... I do believe there's a woman who went on the Oprah Winfrey show. And she just pulled this statistic out of her ass about domestic violence, which I think even she later admitted she'd made up. But it's just one of those things that just gets into the cultural, you know, it gets, it gets into the, the pop culture bloodstream and just sort of pops up again every January. So I think that's what this is. Yeah, the Smithsonian Institute said that this, the squaw business is a bunch of crap. But what can you do? You just can't disabuse people from, you know. Once Oprah says it. It becomes it has gospel. To be changed. There's just no convincing people with facts or logic sometimes. All right, here's Tim Riley. So uh, let's go with some Chinese food in Longview, where 14 people reported symptoms of an illness over the past five days after eating at this popular Chinese restaurant. Concerns over the illness temporarily shut down Chinese Garden. Health department officials began getting calls from several people describing symptoms such as nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. The lab results haven't returned yet. What more is there to say, really? <laughs> Uh, anyone who ate at the Chinese Garden from June 15th to June 20th may have been exposed to this virus. And employees at the restaurant voluntarily closed down Friday to bleach wash all surfaces. The health department assured them that the food wasn't the culprit. They haven't completely ruled out the food. That I know for sure, said one. The restaurant has reopened since closing Friday, so come on, come all. All the people who became sick, uh, oh, one of the people was a restaurant employee, so I guess that's payback. Health officials said the virus can be spread on common surfaces, such as doorknobs and countertops. The best way to guard against it is to wash your hands frequently. Once again, if you went at the China Garden last week in Longview and started to show symptoms of an illness, call the Collins County Health Department. Wouldn't you think, well, whatever. Uh, by the way, Digger Odell is, in fact, the undertaker from the life of Riley. That's why I recognize that name. So, uh, so Digger Odell was the guy in the Powerball story. He was also in the life of Riley. Here is Tim Riley. Uh-oh. Look who's ailing. Hugh Hefner, and he didn't eat at the Longview Chinese place. For someone who's been around for 82 years, Hugh Hefner is in better shape than most men half his age. But it seems all those years of exerting his energy behind closed doors is starting to take its toll. I have some aches and pains, and I have lower back problems, said Hugh Hefner. Is that your artist yeah, rendering of his voice? Yeah. Too much time in bed uh, rustling around with friends, he says with a chuckle. <laughs> but even though uh, Hefner has built his uh, playboy empire on hedonism and heterosexuality, he applauds the recent movement in California that allows gay couples to win. I am thrilled. Uh, Playboy has been a proponent of free choice, and that includes homosexual freedom as well. We have to change the laws. Uh, but on the opposite end of hugs and kisses, we can't help but question whether or not there's truth to all those rumors that have three leading ladies bicker much more than what we see on that reality program, Girl Next Door. I haven't seen that. Oh, Girls Next Door. Is That's your... the Playboy one. Yeah, you'll catch it every now and again by accident. It's on. It's so stupid. Is it on A&E? I, I think it might be, which really gives a lie to the phrase that that's the Arts and Entertainment Network, by the way. That's like the American movie Classics Network, you're like showing Bad Boys 2. Um, you know, it's, it, every now and again, I'll catch about 12 minutes of Girls Next Door, and it's just the 
I mean, look, I don't mean the traffic instead. They're just dumb. <laughs> I mean, there's no getting around it. There is, they're just blindingly stupid. I mean, they're so stupid it hurts to, I've always said that I wish stupidity was painful. Their stupidity is painful to me uh, and to other people who watch that program. And I love Hugh Hefner. I really do. I love Playboy magazine. Uh, Playboy magazine has really made, in almost every conceivable way, has made the world a better place. Hugh Hefner and the Hefner Foundation have contributed millions and millions of dollars to First Amendment causes over the year. Um, over the years, I mean, he's contributed millions of dollars, and he's contributed, and he, he's provided legal counsel to all kinds of First Amendment court cases and freedom of speech cases, whatever. That being said, just the popularization of the big brainless blonde girl. Uh, you can lay that right at Hugh Hefner's feet. Uh, I mean, for a magazine that has done so much to empower both men and women, goddamn, every woman that he seems to surround himself in that show is just a walking Jessica Rabbit stereotype, but not as bright. And there's, which is, you know, whatever. I mean, I guess nobody's forcing anybody to be there, but, boy, he just lives right into that cliche, you know, sometimes. Here's the thing about Hugh Hefner. It kind of, uh, it kind of puzzles me at this point that there has been no definitive Hugh Hefner biography. I mean, you would think that... They're getting ready to make one. Yeah, but I heard he was writing one. Or they're making was, a biopic. I think he was going to make one, and I believe Robert Downey Jr. was being slated to play him. Really? Mm-hmm. How cool is that? I think that's very cool. Oh, that's fantastic. The only, uh, really, the only thing that that approaches any sort of Hugh Hefner definitive biography right now is this documentary that came out in 1993 which is already really dated because it has him getting married at the beginning uh, to Kimberly Conrad. Uh, and it's narrated by James Coburn. And, uh, and I mean, which is great. It covers the first, I don't know, like 30, 40 years of Playboy. But, again, it's already 20 years out of date almost. So I can see Robert Downey Jr. playing uh, playing him. I could totally see that. Oh, yeah. You know, in a weird way, I could see Matthew Modine doing it, too. Because uh, Hugh Hefner, I mean, you, know, you look at him now, and you know, he's Hugh Hefner. He's the coolest guy on earth. But, I mean, he's, you know, he's. Uh, I would say that, I would say, especially if you see, you know, the older pictures of Hugh Hefner, you know, when he was very young, pictures in the 50s and the 60s, you know, it's not like he was a big lady killer or whatever. I mean, he really is sort of this, he is kind of this Jay Gatsby sort of figure where he just sort of created himself in the image he wanted. He was, uh, he, you know, you don't look at a picture of Hugh Hefner when he was 25 or 30 years of age and think that's a guy who's going to end up being, uh, you know, who's going to end up being the king of like a sex-based empire. You just don't. All right, here's Tim Riley. What's left of the Irwin family of Crocodile Hunter fame is expected to visit Corvallis this week. That's an unfortunate uh, use of... That's, a, that's an unfortunate phrase, wouldn't you think? What's left of the Irwin family? Well, it's not the original Irwin family. That's just like a left hand and part of a foot. I didn't say that. They're uh, visiting Corvallis this week to announce a donation to OSU for two humpback whale projects. Now, Terry Owen is a Eugene native. She and her late husband, Steve, and their children are or were animal wildlife conservationists. The Irwin family is expected to sign an agreement with Oregon State's Marine Mammal Institute tomorrow to fund the Humpback Whale Project. They're gathering information on humpback whales. Our research teams will head to Alaska and American Samoa to study humpback whale breeding, foraging, migration, and stock identification. I think Sarah's leaving to get some coffee creamer. Oh, there's some... No, see, that's what I thought, but it's all gone. It's vanished. We turned around and it all... uh... It all been, Where was the alligator? I it's all been absconded with. It's uh, we've been completely creamed out, <laughs> creamed out, cleaned out. <laughs> Why, hello? I think I'm running about a quart low on caffeine right now, so That's I'll be having right. some more of that here in a few. All right, creamed out. Florida news. Wait, hold on. She's trying to open the door with hands full of creamer. 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 <laughs>
Actually. All right. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Here's Tim Riley with what? Florida news? Uh-huh. Oh, Wait. Oh, oh. Yeah. All me. All right. A man whose arms are ripped off his body by an 11-foot alligator survived the attack by gouging its eyes during the death roll. But how, how many arms does he have? Maybe only <laughs> like I was just going to say, how does that even, how does it, does he have like a go-go gadget arm that pops out? Go-go gator gouger. Well, perhaps the alligator only ripped one arm off. Anyway, he gouged the alligator's eyes during the death roll. Uh, Casey Edwards and some of his friends were in Nubin Slough <laughs> when they were attacked. Were they in Nubin Slough with the Lena Spleens? I guess so. Uh, Edwards was face-to-face with a gator during the attack. He looked back at the gator's surface, he looked him right in the eye, and stared at him for ten seconds. Edward said during the fight with the gator, he was not aware that he was missing an arm. He dragged me underwater five times. Finally, my arm ripped off, and I wasn't aware at the time. He wasn't aware. Mm-hmm. He hit me in the stomach and knocked the wind out of me, and I dug and took my fingers, and I gouged his eyes. I spun around and around, and he went after me. I didn't know I was missing my arm until I came back. The alligator was captured, and Edward's arm was found inside the stomach. But it's too damaged to reattach. Oh, oh. Do we have more? That's enough. All right, I think that is enough. All right, there's some Florida news for you. Let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. There are huge incentives on SUVs, but somebody wrote me a hand letter to try to sell me an SUV in the mail. It said, please come down. Fantastic savings on these big gas guzzlers. What do you mean they wrote you a hand I don't understand. Like, somebody left a note on your front door, like, come they, by they an SUV. And my name was uh, written out by hand, and someone wrote me a letter by hand with, with a newspaper clipping says, come on down for fabulous deals on SUVs. Are you going to be going down for fabulous deals on SUVs? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, skyrocketing gas prices have scared off many buyers of SUVs, trucks, minivans, and other vehicles over the past year. Now auto buyers are trying to lure them back out of the dealer's last by offering. Head-turning cash incentives, some as high as... $8,000 on notorious gas guzzlers. Yes, it's a vital act of desperation. Sales of SUVs and light trucks fell 24% over the past month. Heavy truck sales down 30%. During the same time, manufacturers incentives up 5%. That's not very much. You know, when you see somebody driving along the road now in a huge SUV, don't you just feel like they're just driving around in a big dunce cap? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, especially the people in those huge, huge trucks, because you're so like my neighbor, but, yeah. who, that use diesel fuel. They thought they were so big by waking up the neighborhood with all the noise those trucks are making. Oh, I feel really big because my truck makes lots of noise. Yes, yes. Um, Your wallet doesn't make so much noise empty anymore, now does it? I mean, I mean, I drive a tiny car because you know what? I'm I'm really okay with that. So I drive a tiny car. You know, and well, you're not trying to overcompensate for something else. No, right? I'm not, Tim. Uh, and let me say, I filled up my uh, my tiny car the other day, and it cost me, and it wasn't even empty. It was I had a quarter of a tank, so I had to put three quarters of a tank in, and it cost me forty five dollars. So you know what? I cannot even fathom how often you are having to fill like a big canyon arrow or whatever, or, or like how much it's costing you to do it. But you know, it, 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 there is part of me though that whenever you see one of those giant SUVs on the road and you're next to one at a stoplight, don't you just kind of want to turn and laugh a little bit? Just Everybody should start doing that. Just kind of point a little bit and just kind of shake your head and laugh quietly to yourself. But I've noticed, maybe because I'm looking for them now, but I'm seeing lots of small cars on the road now. Yeah. That wasn't before. Well, I think a lot of times, I think there was also maybe in a lot of, especially in families, where they have more than one vehicle, where there would be like... The SUV and the car that they didn't drive that fit in the garage. I was going to say, yeah, sometimes, or maybe there's, uh, you know, there would be like the, the, the smaller car... Uh, that uh, you know that was like 
I don't know, for one of the spouses, and then, like, of course, uh, you know, then, of course, the, the guy would have, like, the massive compensator that he would drive. Um, but I think now, you know, a lot of the times there's just, they're having to either both, they're having to ride share, they're having to, but I don't even know. I mean, do people even carpool anymore? Is no. that a thing people actually do? No. I wonder if carpooling would... is a thing that only happens in the movies. I think so. I mean, you can get people in California to do that. I mean, who, oh, there's no who way. Who wants to listen to somebody else's life or conversation on the way to work? I mean, it's bad enough for most people having to go to work in the morning, but to listen to somebody else's problems that you don't even care about, really. <laughs> the best part is that you're saying that on a talk radio program listened to by thousands of people in their cars. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, but the people you're, I have to say this, the, the people that you're going to be stuck in a carpool with are not as interesting as Tim. <laughs> if you're never, that's the thing is, if like you're carpooling. I, I carpool with somebody like Richie. I was just going to say, I guess it's one thing if you're in a car and you're like listening to us uh -huh. or whatever, you're like in a car, you're listening to Dennis or Adam Carroll or something. You're never, but you're never there. You're never stuck in a carpool with anybody that's interesting. You're stuck in a carpool with the same kind of guy that sit next, sits next to you in the chair at the barber shop waiting for his turn. And he's talking about, well, I'm going to be going to one of them matchbooks collecting, uh, matchbook collecting seminars this weekend with my wife. And sometimes we go to that grandma's buffet beforehand. And then there's always that guy that has the chef hat. And he's there and he's cutting the choice of ham. But sometimes you get the ham and then it's got a lot of fat on the side of it. And then I cut the fat off. And then you're only supposed to get a second plate to go back because I guess it's like a health department thing. They don't want you to use the same plate over and over again every time you go to the buffet. But, you know, Sometimes I just don't like to wait for another plate, and I don't want to go up and either sometimes okay. the dishwasher's coming out, and then I got a big pile of fat just sitting there on the plate. And what Let are you going to do with a big pile I'll of fat? I'll walk to work. I know. That's the thing. I'm walking. And you're sitting there in the car going, "Well, you just shut your mouth," and, and you realize you've got 17 miles left to work, and that you're in a traffic jam, and it's going to take you an hour and a half. Um, and in Cal there's no way to go carpool in California anyway, because nobody works next to anybody else. I mean, that would just be insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would imagine it wouldn't even. I would imagine, in the grand scheme of things, the amount of just mental anguish you would have to suffer to carpool, like in Los Angeles, it would not be because the couple bucks you might save, and you're not going to save that much because again, you're going to be having to drop one guy off, and then the next guy works 12 miles away. So well, that and you're listening to people lie constantly. I got this big project that I'm starting tomorrow. <laughs> My ship is finally coming. In the meantime, you're done. You're like your last dime. There's nothing happening. Nothing will ever happen. And the person sitting next to you has this multi-billion dollar project that's starting tomorrow. He's so rich. As a matter of fact, he's sitting right next to you. Look, uh, can you cover me on the gas uh, for today? I think I'm going to get that development deal at Paramount tomorrow, though, and then I'll be able to chip in, and I'll be able to buy some nachos, too. Uh, that's not going to happen. So, have I told you I'm a producer? In any event, so yeah, but I, th but I think we all th see the same thing when you see those guys in the SUV, and it is typically a guy. Uh, you look and you see that guy in the SUV, and it, it, the best thing about it though is that they is that they know they can sense their own shame. I mean, you see a guy in an SUV now, you know what he does? If you're at a stoplight and a guy pulls up next to you in like a huge, massive uh, SUV, he doesn't look over at you, he looks straight ahead. He looks straight ahead, hands on the wheel, 10 and 2, eyes down, waiting for the green light, and then he moves off very slowly by himself, making no eye contact with people on either side. Because you, And if you are that guy, because you know you look like an ass. You know you look like an ass who is paying $100 to gas up his giant penis compensator. So have fun with that, friend. All right. Let's take a break, shall we? Yes. Um, by the way, this email says, Rick, the girls next door is on E, not A and E. There you go. He says, also, you just need to watch the show on mute. That'll fix the problem, except for the youngest bimbo who needs to be kicked down the stairs. What channel is mute on? <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Watch this on mute. <laughs> Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. <laughs> 
Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins. Uh, we'll also talk to CNN Radio Correspondent James Roop. Uh, we'll do the top five spoken word songs of all time. Uh, let's see. We've got the uh, Darwin Watch still to come, uh, Religious Nutcase Watch, and we'll uh, try to come up with more names for the uh, TV pregnancy Gloucester teen knocked up thing. Here's Tim Riley. Harper Religious Nutcase Watch. Here's your Religious Nutcase Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh... Wow. This is like in three parts today. There's a lot of stuff here. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is asking California members to join the effort to amend the state's constitution to define marriage between a man and a woman. Yeah. A letter sent to Mormon bishops and signed by Church President Thomas S. Monson and two of his top counselors calls on Mormons to donate means and time to the ballot measure. A note on the letter da uh, dated June 20th said it should be read during church services on the 29th, but the letter was published Saturday on several websites. Uh, they fought the same-sex marriage legislation in other states during the 1990s, and they have money to burn in that. Oh, church. they do. No, they zillions and zillions, of, and they never went out of the money. No. Uh, let's see. The latest letter is a disappointment to members of Affirmation, an international support group for gay, lesbian, and transgendered Mormons. Last month, they called on the church not to meddle in California politics, but they've been meddling all over the place. I just don't understand. I mean, to each his own. Uh, I just don't understand the, the notion of your... It, it's like being a log cabin Republican or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, you know, and it, you know, the, you know where there's a big stronghold of log cabin and log cabin Republicans are gay Republicans. There's a big stronghold of log cabin Republicans in Utah. When I was doing talk radio in Utah, you would just hear from these log cabin Republicans all the time, and they would want to come on to talk about. I'd like to come on and talk about the godless liberalism and gun control. And, and, and they would want to come in the studio, and they and, and, and you know, I didn't do a lot of a lot of politics at that point. But they want to come on and they want to talk about some like weird, stridently pro Republican issue, and then. And then also, uh, it, 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 like, it, it just it doesn't make any sense. It just like, um, I think there's that whole faction of of like real strident Catholics who also happen to be gay. There's some there's some group for that sort of thing, and it just seems like. At a certain point, maybe you ought to disassociate yourself from a group that consistently says, uh, you know, that you're not equal. We but hate that's, you. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, call call me crazy, but you know, what are you gonna do? All right. An outside investigation has found that an Ohio public school teacher taught creationism in his science class and used a device to burn an image of a cross on his students' arms. <laughs> One family filed a federal lawsuit against Mount Vernon Middle School Jesus. teacher John Freshwater and the school district saying their child was left with a burn mark for three to four weeks. The report said Freshwater was insubordinate in failing to remove a Bible and other religious materials from his classroom. The findings released uh, yesterday were to be discussed Friday before the school board meeting. Uh, then we have this. Here's another person who should go away. James Dobson. As Barack Obama broadens his outreach to evangelical voters, one of the movement's biggest names, James Dobson, accuses the likely Democratic presidential nominee of distorting the Bible and pushing a fruitcake interpretation of the Constitution. This criticism was aired uh, yesterday on Dobson's Focus on the Family radio program. Come shortly after an Obama aide suggested a meeting at the organization's headquarters there. Uh, so we have a little sound here. Uh, Dobson will blast Obama's views on religion 
and says he's attempting to govern by, quote, the lowest common denominator of morality. I think he's deliberately distorting the traditional understanding of the Bible to fit his own worldview, his own confused theology. I'm waiting for him to be caught with something. Uh, he <laughs> says he, he only recently was made aware of uh, Senator Obama's remarks. This comment was made uh, two years ago, and it's taken me two years to find out about it. <sighs> I just I, please go away. I was just going to take Jesse Jackson with you. You know what he is. And all the rest of the blowhards that really. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Tim. They really were their welcome a long time ago in the last century. They I were was still hanging around for this one. Uh, you know, and here's the thing about about I was just, specifically James Dobson in this case, but just the, those guys in general, those nutcases, is that they really are some sort of religious cicada. Is that what that thing's called, cicada? What is that animal? What is that little bird or not bird? It's a what is it? It's like an insect, like a moth. That it lives underground for 20 years and then it comes out for like five? I believe it was a cicada. Is that what that is? Tim, you're from the, the East Coast. Little things? What's I've never heard of it. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. It's a, it's like a, uh, it's like a... Cicada? I've heard of John Cicada. <laughs> <laughs> John Cicada! He comes out, of, he comes out every 20, <laughs> he comes out every 20 years. <laughs> what is John Cicada saying? I can't remember. Cicada. I don't even know what we're saying anymore. What is what is his big? This joke would be better if I if I had a song to go to. Uh, well, John Cicada uh, is that the guy? Yes. S e c a d c a d a. He didn't sing. No, Rick Astley sang "Never Gonna Hear," and he didn't sing "Sunglasses at Night." He sang "I'm Free, Angel, Just Another Day." If you go, I don't know any of these songs. It seems like "Just Another Day" is popping up the most. Can I, what's the, what? What would be the hook to "Just Another Day"? And I can go back and do this whole joke from the beginning. I don't know. Do we have any of this on uh, on YouTube? Oh, I'm sure. Let's it, see here. Let's. Uh... He's begging you to add him to your MySpace account. <laughs> <laughs> We're very close. Is this you? Is this you, Tim? Is this you or, or Sarah? It might be. Let's see if this is me. Yes, it's me. <gasps> oh, I know this song. Wait, what is? You'll know this. Yeah, I remember this song. I don't know this. Yes, you do. Maybe. Maybe I'll know the hook. What is with you and your lack of knowledge of piano-driven songs? You know that I have a whole uh, there's a whole gap in my head when it comes to, like, late 80s, early 90s pop songs. Oh, see, and that's all my head is full of. Yeah, I don't know this at all. I, can, I feel better because it's. I felt like I fumbled the joke, but now I realize I never even had the ball. Weren't even in the game. Is that's he so singing? I can't. It's like, this, it's like the lyrics are all... Oh. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter. We See, so in my head, there was this joke where he's not John Cicada, he's John Cicada, uh -huh. and he comes out of the ground for 20 years to sing this song, and then he goes back. He's a beautiful lesson, man. Boy, this is terrible. It is. All right, well, anyway, the end. That was uh, the end of the religious night case watch. But before we do, no, there's another part. There's the Ted Haggerty part. Are you or sure? Haggard, or whatever that guy's name is. Who's the guy that I am not gay? Oh, here it is. Okay, but before we oh, do that... Well, that's part of the clergy watch. Is it? It's all very confusing. So we'll close the religious nutcase watch and do the clergy watch. But let me say this about James Dobson. So here's my thing. When I said he was like a cicada, which I do believe is this little creature that lives underground for 20 years, and then it comes out for one summer, and then it goes back down. Cause Maybe Richie could find somebody to bring one in. Maybe. Because I think Don and Mike did a whole thing about it a couple years ago, because a couple years ago was the year when the cicadas all came out and they were like flew around or whatever. Um, it, it, my point is... That you only have to hold your breath for a little bit longer, and then all of those guys are going to go away. They're going to go away all through the next administration, which will probably be the Obama administration. And they'll probably come back a little bit in 2012, 
but then they'll be driven back underground when Obama wins again, and then they will regroup for 2016. So I'm just making this prediction right but, now. But they really don't have anybody to back them up. Where are all the apprentices? Not that we want them. No, I mean... But there aren't any people in waiting to take over their position. But that's what I mean. They're going to go into hiding and rebuild their rebuild their forces. Oh, I think good. that they've realized that they've just overextended themselves. Here's the problem is, is just with, with, with all of the, the nutcase religious guys... I think with George W. Bush, they, I mean, they just backed the wrong horse. That's the thing. They just, mm-hmm. in poker terms, they just, they, they went all in uh, on W, and they just got cleaned out. And I think they realize that America is sick of them. They have no clout. They have no sway. They have a greatly diminished uh, base. Their power is probably a tenth of what it was four, five, six years ago. So they're all going to vanish until 2012, uh, you know, and then they'll come back out in 2016 in full force. So I think we're going to have a good, I would say, almost a decade where we don't really have to hear anything from the prattling mouth of James Dobson. Yay. Excellent. There's your religious nutcase watch. John Cicada. Cicadas, Susan Reynolds said they are like locusts. They come out every 17 years. So there you go. Remember, I remember it happened um, during the last presidential election, like in 2004, didn't it? That's right. And because Don and Mike were talking about it, and they were sending and they were Rob eating out. Them. Yeah, they, they had sent Rob out because there was like hordes and hordes of these locusts would just come out of the ground. All right, here's Tim Riley. Oh, the Taliban made $100 million last year from Afghan farmers growing poppy for the opium trade. The money was raised with a 10% tax on farmers in Taliban-controlled areas. I thought we already took over that place. Well, apparently not. And somebody's making $100 million. Uh, Tapper Clergy Watch. Here's your Clergy Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. He is the evangelista forced out of his job after being caught in a sex scandal involving a male prostitute. Now, which one was this? Now, this is a bit... I was actually, so many of them. I, I had the same thought. Because you know who I was confusing him with? I was reading the... First of all, this two years ago that happened. Wow. I was confusing him with Mark Foley, uh-huh. who is that... Any of the guy from Florida that was, like, sending text messages to the pages? Yeah. Or whatever, a whole lot of, like, come give me an oil rub. Or, or whatever it was he was saying. This, though, is the guy who was the preacher at the mega church which he no longer has ties to according to this no and he, he got kind of that whole thing of like gay sex and methamphetamine or whatever yeah so under severance deal that uh, ted haggard reached with the church in 2006 he agreed to leave colorado springs and not to talk about the scandal publicly the deal expired at the end of 2007 the new pastor brady boyd said haggard is now free to live where he wanted and has returned to colorado springs they have moved back and they live in the original house that they lived in for many many years uh, Haggard answered the telephone at his Colorado Springs telephone number Sunday and confirmed he is in the city, but he won't talk to reporters. He was fired in 2006 as pastor of the 14,000-member church he established after a fort, uh, former male prostitute alleged they had a cash-for-sex relationship. The man also said he saw Haggard use methamphetamine. Haggard, who also uh, stepped down as president of the National Association of Evangelicals, confessed uh, to undisclose sexual whatever that was, and said, uh, oh, he bought meth, but he didn't use it. <laughs> he then uh, moved to Phoenix. I forgot about that. With his family to begin what church leaders called a spiritual restoration program. 
Is that the uh, the temple of ice cubes? <laughs> I think so. Just imagine that you are in a giant jar of worms. It was expected to uh, undergo counseling and prayer, and it was supposed to last five years or longer. Boyd said Haggard asked to be released from the restoration program in January and is no longer connected with New Life. Haggard and church officials clashed last summer after Haggard sent an email to a Colorado Springs TV station outlining his plan to work as a counselor at a Christian-run halfway house in Phoenix. The email also solicited financial support. The four-pastor team of overseers said that those plans were unacceptable and that Haggard should seek secular uh a secular employment. <laughs> I think he already saw, uh, he already saw secular employment, Tim. Uh, Haggard was in private business, but uh, doesn't have any further details. Also, no plans for him to work again for New Life. The New Life Church was the site of a shooting in December in which uh, two sisters were killed after a gunman fatally shot three people at the mission center in suburban. I think Denver. he's also in that Jesus Camp movie. Uh, oh, I haven't that seen that. Documentary Jesus oh, Camp. Oh, that made my skin crawl. I'm pretty sure he's in there, of course, condemning gay sex, because, you know, because that's how it all... Which one was he, the hit pastor? No, uh, I don't... Well, I, I don't know. I, he was... Uh, he's, I only saw the, the, the scene on YouTube uh, where he's talking about blah, 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 sanctity of With blah, With the children blah, blah. crying and dancing. <laughs> of course. Oh, man. He's the one that he has that creepy moment in Jesus Camp. That I got, there's like a 10-minute excerpt that I watched online. Uh, there's that... Um, He's the creepy guy in Jesus Camp that does that thing of looking at the camera going, I know what you did last night. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Remember that clip? Yeah. That's a clip. That'll come back to haunt you, friend. All right, there you go. There's your uh, clergy watch on KCMD Portland. Because I got to have I mean, it seems to me if you're that guy... Uh, you know, and you make you make your bones, as they say, being you know this, the pastor in a mega church, and you're one of God's chosen disciples, and blah 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 blah. And then you get caught, like with a gay hooker and a big bag full of meth. The, the idea, the, I think, the, I think a guy like that is like those. It's like uh, the the gay Mormons we were talking about earlier, who just can't seem, to, they just can't bring themselves to just break away from it. It's like you grow up inside this weird, this religious hierarchy. And it's just very, I mean, even my wife, like I say, even my wife finds it difficult to completely abandon sort of her Mormon roots. I mean, she's not practicing anymore. But I mean, you know, if my wife is around and somebody starts to rail on the Mormon church, she said that she actually just out of habit has to sort of bite her tongue to not say something about it. Because, I mean, you grow up in the church and you're told that it's like the actual literal word of God for 20 years. I mean, that, you know, that could you know, warp you young and then you find that it's difficult to sort of leave that behind. So that's why you get this tag hagger guy who's still there. Wanting to like the walk the righteous path of Jesus or whatever, you'd think that he'd be better served just by going entirely the opposite direction. You know, he just entirely renounce it and just go. I would I would bet you if you get a guy like that who was the pastor of a megachurch, uh, if he just like completely chucked it and just went all the way to the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, I bet he could make a lot more money and be a lot happier. Just uh, I don't know, giving big gay lectures on a Carnival cruise line or something. It seems like he would be kind of a marquee get. You know what I mean? So. It's like how, what's her name, uh, whoever that woman is that was the Roe in Roe versus Wade, I forget her real name. I can't remember her name. Yeah, nobody can, but it's the girl, whatever her name is, the woman who is the Roe in Roe v. Wade, how she's considered one of those big, she's considered a real catch for the Christian community because the irony, of course, is the woman who, the woman who sought the abortion and triggered Roe versus Wade is now a born-again Christian who, of course, is opposed to abortion. So uh, there's some Christian, in fact, it might even be James Dobson's church, I could be wrong about this, but there is... Uh, some really uh, hardcore right-wing Christian church that has the Roe v. Wade woman as one of their members, and they always roll her out like the Ark of the Covenant. I look at this. She's the Roe v. Wade woman, but even she believes that abortion is wrong. <laughs> and 
So it seems like the gay community ought to get you know get one of their own like that. Just get Tag Ted Haggard there and just make him the mayor of West Hollywood, and then everybody's happy. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Hey there. What's up? Uh, when an alligator is eating your arm, all I got to do is blow in his face. No, this uh, this is what the I think it's difficult to do underwater though because it's just <laughs> 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 not working. <laughs> Put your face closer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if you see the, if you go to 970.am, I think the alligator video is one of the ones that Richie posted, and you can actually see this reptile guy who brought in an alligator yesterday. He takes the alligator and he blows on it, and the whole, and it just, it doesn't go to sleep, but yeah, it just relaxes. It's kind of weird and sort of creepy looking, but I think underwater that doesn't necessarily have the same effect. Well, the first thing he should have done was stay calm. Right. Are you being sarcastic? Very. Yeah. All right. Can I ask you a question about the, your top five list? Because I'm not going to be able to hear it later. Uh, are you going to ask me whether a certain song is on the top five? Yes. Realize that I won't answer that question. Well, how about if I ask? If Why don't person... you speculate about a song that ought to be on okay. today's top five? Well, have you, do you know about Material? The band I, Material? I don't believe I do. Tim, uh, Material? No. 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 Uh, William S. Burroughs has a song. And it's called Words of Advice. Is this that thing he did with Kurt Cobain? No. Because William S. Burroughs, uh, did that, he did some song with Kurt Cobain like in 1993, something like that. No, this, this is good. It's a song that I'm pretty sure you'd like and appreciate. All right. Well, it's, it's not on the list, check if that out. makes you feel any better. Yeah, check it out, though. All right. Thank Words you. Words of Advice. Yeah. All right. Bye. There you go. Here's Tim Riley. On CMD, uh, KCMD Portland. Yes, indeed, Tim. Thank you. CBS radio station. It is now called... What's our new slogan? Hey, I'm knocker. I was just going to look over at the huge banner, but I realized it's not going to be any help because it's still the, it's the big banner in the studio hasn't changed. A proud part of the CBS radio network, Tim, the Tiffany Broadcasting Company. That's correct. All right. You know, I have no complaint about it, but Redbox is sending me emails every day now, and, and I notice that the traffic at these things is so much that in some stores, they're they're putting these machines outside what the doors. What is Redbox? Oh, it's that video yeah. uh, company. So it gets so much traffic that some of the stores are putting them outside because the lines are stretching around the inside of the store. Like literally outside, like out in the cold? Right. right. So not only are the lines stretching outside now, they're still stretching inside because the inside box is still in there, too. Yeah, they... Uh, it must be killing, like, blockbusters. If you go to the, uh, the Safeway at 39th and Powell, there's one right... It's not actually outside, but it's sort of in that little... Um, Antechamber or whatever it is, mm -hmm. where you walk. It's like by the ice machine. It's like by the ice machine. It's right next to the toy grab uh, machine, that thing with the crane. Uh, but before you get into the actual uh, store, but you know, I have to tell you this: every time I walk by that machine, there's like a line about three deep to get to get at it. So it's got to be killing Hollywood Video and Blockbuster. I would imagine all the movie rentals. Well, you know, because there's that Blockbuster right across the street, uh, and you know what? That red box has got no overhead. I mean, really, there's no overhead to speak of at all. Mm -hmm. uh, it really is just the box and whatever it costs, to, the maintenance on the box, uh, and whatever it costs to get some, uh, you know, delivery guy to I get don't even the know movie what that and restock is. it. Dollar movie. The red box. The thing? red box. Do you go to that Safeway in 39th and Powell? Not usually. Okay, no. it, it, it's like an ATM, but it gives out movies. Gives out DVDs. Them? Yeah, for a buck. It's one of the greatest American inventions yeah. in decades. DVDs for a buck. You have to, like, register for something or something? I don't know, because I actually Just don't... Just your, your email address. Uh, and then it's... And how do you pay? It's like a credit card? Uh, debit card. Debit card, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like an ATM, uh, but it... You know what it looks like? It looks like one of those jukeboxes 
that has a digital screen. Do you know what I mean? Where you, where it's like you, you don't actually punch the button. It's like you, it's a touchscreen jukebox like they have at my father's place, sort of. It's like that. I mean, you know, it's like that or an ATM, but it just is filled with DVDs, and for a buck, it'll spit out a DVD, and then you return the DVD to the machine, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to text it back in. How long do you get the DVD for? One night. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, for a buck. And then, uh, yeah, but, but I mean, it's just the overhead on those things has got to be almost non-existent. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be one thousandth of what it costs to have, like, a blockbuster store. And because there's, there's no staff, there's no whatever, you know, which I guess is just, I mean, that really is, that is the way of the future, where all of those things are just delivered that way, or things are sent right to your television or, or whatever. So, it, it, I mean, blockbuster really had... I will tell you this, they had a good run. I mean, there was a time when they just sort of ran the entire world. Boy, what you want to talk about an industry that if I just had, if you had a nickel for every video store that appeared in this country between the years of, I would say, 1983 and about 1986, I mean, that was just, that was a business explosion, the likes of which we have really Mm -hmm. never seen. And I think probably everybody who is my age or older can remember the first video store that opened in your hometown. I mean, and that was when you had to go, like, rent. I mean, Sarah doesn't remember this. There was a time where you had to rent the VCR in addition to the movie. And the VCR, of course, and it came in, like, this huge-ass plastic box. It was like a big plastic briefcase that they would give you along with the movie. And you would open it, and then there were, like, holes drilled in the back for the cables or whatever that would come out. And so you would see these people walking out of the video store with, like, a huge VCR under one arm and, like, two movies. And two movies were all you could rent because they were, like, $6 each. Uh, and that was also when, if you wanted to buy previously, I mean, this is before there were previously uh, viewed VHS tapes. Do you remember this? This is an insane thing. As much as people talk about uh, the good old days and inflation and how things used to be cheaper and everything's just so damn expensive now, that's not really true with a lot of things. First mm-hmm. of all, home computers are cheaper than they used to be. Video games are cheaper than they used to be. Uh, I would say anything that is sort of technologically based is cheaper than it used to be. And here's something when you think about, here's something that is staggering. We talk about CD Game Exchange, who are one of our proud sponsors. You can walk into CD Game Exchange. You can pay, as I did just recently, you can pay $2.50 and walk out with uh, gross point blank in this case uh, on DVD, yours forever. I'll have to take it back. There was a time when if you wanted to buy a movie on VHS, not even DVD, if you wanted to buy a movie on VHS, they were like $79 each. Yeah. I remember the big uh, deal when Die Hard came out on home video, and they were like, you can own your own copy of Die Hard for just $79.99 on V. Mm-hmm. Imagine paying $80 for a VHS copy of Die Hard. That's ridiculous. They were all that expensive. That's the thing. That's because there was no market for previously viewed home video because the studios, as they always are, uh, were just so entrenched and against this new technology um, in any event. So um, Redbox, blah, 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 wave of the future, blah, 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 blah. A Colorado Springs woman became lost in the Alps for nearly three days. She's been rescued. 24-year-old Jessica Broomsbaugh hooked up her sports bra to a cable to signal for help. And you know what? It worked. And a rescue, or not a rescue worker, just a worker who was on the other end of the line found the bra and he knew there was someone missing in that area. So he called local authorities. And she was rescued. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up? Hey, uh, Redbox is cool. I bought into that company when it first started. And what's cool about Redbox is that it doesn't matter which one you take it back to. You can rent it one place, and if you're next to another one, you just take it back to any of them. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That is interesting. And don't they don't they also have that deal with McDonald's? Can't you, like, rent? 
Those yeah, red every, box movies at the, at the McDonald's drive-thru? Yeah, I wouldn't touch anything like well, that. Well, they, they, they have a unit inside to make most McDonald's, so... Any McDonald's you go into, there's usually a red box. Here's the thing about that red box company too: is it, it's not even really, it's not even really the technology behind it. That's just the idea. That's just where somebody said, well, wait a minute, these DVDs are really thin. They can probably come out of this same slot we've been sticking money out of in these ATMs. I mean, that really is where somebody just had the notion one day to be renting DVDs out of a box. It is, you know, that is pretty. Whoever's making the money on that really deserves it because it's a pretty fantastic idea. Well, in about three years, you're going to see them in, in just about every airport, too. Probably. No, I would imagine that that's – well, they already have uh, – when I was at the PDX this last time coming back from San Diego, they already have now – it looks like there were kiosks where you could actually rent the DVD player. Like, you didn't even have to talk to a person. And then there was like – and when you returned the DVD player after the flight, there was literally just like a drop box, just like there is for a videos at the video store. Like, you didn't even have to talk to a person. You just took the DVD player, put it in the case, and dropped it into a slot. So. Yeah, and it, uh, in about three years, there's going to be those machines just about every airport. So yeah. you rent from Portland. When you finally get to Hawaii or wherever you're going, you just turn in the DVD player, and, you know, you go back to the red box and get rid of your movies. We really are reaching some bizarre point in American evolution, though, where you, you will be able to watch any single thing. Like, you'll be able to watch any movie and any television show ever made anywhere you are, anytime you want to. And I think at that point I'll just have to kill myself because it's just going to be too overwhelming. I won't even be able to cope with it. Well, put it you know, my laptop plays DVDs, and it's got its own separate button for that. It's just like a huge DVD player. Well, I think it's how Sarah watches most of them. Don't you watch your DVDs in your laptop? Oh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, yeah. well, it's, it's like 50-50. It depends. Ugh. All right, thank you. You bet. All right, there you go. Well, that's like the uh, we have the TiVo and our TiVos. I talked about that Unbox, which I don't think... I don't know if Unbox and Redbox are related companies. They might be sort of the sister companies. But Artivo is hooked right to, uh, you know, is on our home network. And Artivo is hooked to Amazon.com. And so if we want to watch a movie, we don't have it laying around. We can't find it for sale anywhere. We can go into Artivo and television shows, uh, you know, sometimes whole series, a whole season uh, or movies, we can just download directly to Artivo for like a buck fifty uh, and watch it right there. Which is just, I mean, that is, and that's when it's. I would say probably ten, twelve years from now, that's when this job is going to get really difficult because at that point there will be absolutely no common ground between Americans and what we are watching. There will then, because right now we still have at least some overlapping circles in terms of what the American television movie taste is. But once you have access to anything that's ever been made and you can watch it anywhere you want on any device you want. Uh, there will no longer be any commonality or relatability between the, between people and what they're watching on television. The closest to YouTube, but it's limited to 10-minute segments. Yeah. Well, that's – and I think they're already sort of making it different. Like a, if you go to uh, RickEmerson.com, there's a video about which I cannot speak. I am legally constrained by CBS from talking about it. Uh, but there is a little video that I posted at RickEmerson.com that I didn't use YouTube for. I What is the company called? It's uh, – uh, this is not a plug. I'm just. This is just. It's sort of an interesting technology. It is called. Uh, I'm waiting for this to load. Uh, Vimeo. V i m e o. Terrible name. V i m e o. But it's. But it's. It's just. It's a really high uh, definition YouTube. It's exactly. I mean, really. It's. It's. And is it free? Like. YouTube it's absolutely is? free. And it's absolutely free. And I would say it's even easier to use for me. I uploaded a video that I cannot discuss. Uh, but I uploaded a video. V i m e o. Vimeo. It's like YouTube, but the picture quality and the sound quality are just. Unbelievable. I mean, they're staggering. And it's absolutely free. It was easy to register. I mean, it, the interface for me was easier to use than YouTube in terms of uploading a video. 
Um, and especially for anything that, you know, has music. <coughs> oh, you're right. The maroon shirt does look good. Yes. Thank you. That was you. You picked that up. I know. Way. So uh, look at how great that picture quality is, though. Okay, that's ridiculous. Isn't that? I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's so far and beyond the quality that you see on YouTube. What musical group might this be? I uh, don't know. The Beatles? I, yes, it's I'm struck with wonder. Thank you. Um, oh, wonder. But the sound quality and video quality on this Vimeo.com service uh, just outstrip YouTube by a factor of 10. And the clarity. My God, I'm listening to it right now. That's what I'm saying. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like the video of tomorrow. And so, uh, and so it's, uh, you know, it, and, I think the, and I think the file sizes you can do are bigger. I think you can do longer clips. So, I mean, YouTube is still really the brand name. I mean, they're, they're you know, they're kind of the big player here. But, uh, but things like this are going to become more and more common. Um, I mean, you could easily watch an entire, you know, television uh, episode with that player right there. That video. And this player. kind of looks like the players that I find. I don't know what they're called, but like to watch 90210 on or anything, or like any TV show. Right. Like it looks like that crystal clarity. Yeah. So uh, I have to thank um, the guys at the Portland Shallow Project who actually turned me on to that specific player because that's what they use uh, to post all of their cello performances. So in any event, you're listening to KCMD Portland. Uh, here's Tim Riley. There's always room for cellos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, there is, Tim. An elderly Livonia, Michigan man's lawn care products are causing quite a stir among the neighbors. You see, 72-year-old David Clevenger has been seen numerous times mowing his lawn while naked. Next-door neighbor Ann said she couldn't believe her eyes the first time she saw it. My eyes just went boing. You know, what's that? What's happening? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Please, what? Her eyes went boing when she saw uh, uh, 72-year-old David Clevenger mowing his lawn. My eyes just went boing. You know, what's that? What's happening? A name said... A name. A na- <laughs> neighbor Ann. Name. Uh, Ann said that Clevelander's uh, behavior was astonishing to her. I says, oh, my God, look out the window. <laughs> wow. Life in a small town. Yes, it's like Sharon said. Her husband doesn't mean to cause a stir with Anne. We're sorry. It, it wasn't meant to be anything. What's going on what in this I house? Don't understand. I don't understand what's wrong with these people. It's a Is there some sort of like crucible thing happening there? Press him! He's just been seen numerous times mowing his lawn while naked. Is that code for something? Well, naked. That might burn. My eyes just went boing. You know, what's that? What's happening? I says, oh, my God, look out the window. We're sorry. It, it wasn't meant to be anything. Wow. Okay. Uh, Rick, the first video store in my hometown only had one copy of every movie. I totally remember that because they couldn't afford because the video stores themselves could not afford multiple copies. He said, when you rented a really popular movie and didn't return it in time, they would call you repeatedly to turn it in because people would be asking to see it. And it was literally the only copy in town. I remember that. I remember that we um, the first movies we ever rented, uh, we rented Jaws and I believe Police Academy, the first one with Steve Gutenberg. Um and I think we had them both for like an extra day, and then they were immediately on the phone screaming at us because there was just a line of rubes all through the town uh, waiting to watch Police Academy. And we, we had the only copy. Also, the video store was actually so small that when you go in there, they would give you a one-page mimeographed sheet that listed all the movies they carried because they only had like 50 movies. That, but it just seemed like an overwhelming selection at the time. Um, this one says... Uh, 
Rick, during the Christmas of 1994, I asked for a VHS copy of The Crow. It cost my parents almost $100. Wow. That's what I'm saying. So it's it, people can kvetch about inflation, but really the prices of certain things have just gone down uh, exponentially over the years. Hey, here's a good question, Tim. Uh-huh. Uh, this guy, this is this guy's talking about um, that toll bridge, and I realize this is a story that we had a while back, but he has a really good question, which is, if it's a toll bridge, how is that going to make traffic go more smoothly? It really won't, because everyone has to stop. Yeah. Well, said... that's what they did. Okay, so they did the sim- a similar thing to this in uh, on the Tacoma Narrows Bridge, mm-hmm. and so now they have a toll booth. But uh, people who commute back and forth, they pay to have their car automatically scanned as yes, they go over. Right. They have that they in New that. Jersey. Yeah. So yeah, they can so do that too. It did actually clear up the flow of traffic quite a bit, even it... though it doesn't make sense why it should. But all you're going to need is like two or three knuckleheads who are just on their way to Waddles or something, yes. right? And they're going to slow everything down. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Well, in any event, and you know what's going to happen. Yes. Yes, you do. All right, here's Tim Riley. I think the city fathers give people credit for being smarter than they are. Yes, yes. So we don't do that. No, we, we don't. We pride ourselves on giving people absolutely no credit that they haven't earned. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. First of all, there is no more waddles. It's hooters. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. an outdated reference. I'm sorry. Isn't it's going to date anyway, me as a... But anyway, there's three different types of DVD boxes. I'm, uh, I figured it all out. The ones that Safeway suck, don't go there. They're $1.15, and the selection's horrible. And the ones at McDonald's, they're a dollar, but they're often bucks. Still not as good as CD Game Exchange. And then at Freddy's, they're blue, and they got the best selection. You've, so there you go. That's you've really the, taken a long time to just to break all this out in your head and do a sort of tiered hierarchy. No, well, I'm poor, so I want to watch movies, but I don't, you know, I want to go to Blockbuster or any kind of overpriced crap like that. So there you go. Thank you for your call, sir. Thanks. Bye. All right, there you go. The voice of the common man. All right, let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent of the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Why, hello and how are you today? Hello, how are you guys? I'm fantastic. How's life? How are things? Good, good, pretty good. I cannot complain. We're kind of on this whole jag about video stores. Let me ask you this. Uh, do you, uh, did you, and I know you did, did you ever have to do the thing where you rented uh, not only the movie, but the actual VCR that came in a huge plastic case? <laughs> I never did that. No. Is that true? I mean, did you always did you always just own a VCR? Well, actually, what it was was I I did not own a VCR for a long time, so I actually didn't get the movies either. You lived like a savage. I did, but I did manage to get. Uh, I I moved in with people who had VCRs way before I got a cell phone, so I feel like that I was I for a while it was going to be close. Let me ask you this. Okay, let's just quickly go around the room. What would you say is the uh, most miraculous household technology that we now take for granted? Sarah, go. Microwave. See, I'm saying for me it's the microwave. I'm saying yeah. nothing beats that. Tim? Nothing does. Vacuum yeah. cleaner. Vacuum cleaner, really? That is true. You know, here. okay, here's a good question. Because, okay, without a microwave, you can cook something on the stove. Without a vacuum cleaner... You live in filth. No, that's true. I mean, and it, here's the other. And unlike, let's say... Uh, the DVD player or the VCR. I mean, without a DVD player or the VCR, I guess you can still watch whatever's on the whatever's on the television. Without the television, you can listen to the radio. Without the radio, you can read. Without reading, I guess you can use the dreaded power of your imagination. <laughs> without a vacuum cleaner, you are effed. It's not like you can take up your whole living room rug and take it down to the creek and beat it against a rock. <laughs> There's no substitute for the vacuum cleaner. No. Okay, well done, Tim Riley. Really, I was going to speculate that it was something else, but I, I would have been wrong. All right, well, in any event... All right, Lisa, how are you today? Good. I'd like to put in a word for the refrigerator. 
The refrigerator, there's that too. I mean, unless you live in some sort of uh, perpetually cold climate, I would say that there's no way to uh, there's no way to keep your uh, your. Right. Do I want to say? Though, but I remember they used to have ice stores, and of course they used to salt everything and ham. Everybody had ham all the time because they could preserve it with salt. Now, my grandparents, uh, up until the day they died, would talk about the ice the ice box, uh, which is what they refer to the refrigerator as. And uh, my grandfather actually had. And not unlike Don Draper on Mad Men, my grandfather actually had the two refrigerators. He had the sort of modern one that was in the kitchen, and then he had, like, the old, like, your kids will get trapped inside of it and end up as a cautionary tale one that was out in the garage, solely used for beer. Oh, yeah. So, my parents still have that, by the way. Really? The mm-hmm. old, the old ass refrigerator in the garage? In the garage. It's just full of beverages totally. and, like, frozen foods. Exactly. Um, hey, so Tim Riley, a news director, has just uh, pointed this out to me. Uh, housing rescue plan passes key Senate test. That's correct, exactly. And the question is, are they going to finish dealing with it today? Because right now it's, it's, it's hitting a little bit of a snag. Tim Riley's on it. It's true. It did pass this test vote. It, it flew by. Now, the deal is that this Senate bill, it needed two-thirds as many Senate votes do to survive, and it, it, it got that no problem. So, so now it's in line for a final vote in the Senate. This bill in the Senate, uh, about $300 billion, and it would it mainly – deals with people who are at risk for foreclosure, uh, helping them get new mortgages, potentially refinance, or people who are first-time home buyers. As part of this Senate deal, there would be an $8,000 credit if you're a first-time home buyer next year, if this becomes the law. Now, the House version, which has already passed, is very different. The House version deals with properties that have already been foreclosed and how communities, uh, in their view, can adapt to that, how they can survive that. It would buy back many foreclosed properties, which the Bush administration argues is just helping the bank. So it's a very bizarre, uh, the Bush White House, Republican White House is uh, saying that the Democrats are trying to help out big business, and, and there is a real argument there. So once the Senate bill passes, if any of you are still with me, uh, you're going to have to have the Senate and the House get together on who do you help. Do you have help people who are struggling now and may face foreclosure, or do you help communities uh, in a larger sense that already have had foreclosures? You know, when we have conversations like this, it, it really is during these discussions that I realize that your intelligence outstrips mine by a factor that cannot even be calculated. Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. Really, we got about 10 seconds into this whole thing, and I would say... I would say it took between 15 and 20 seconds for you to sort of morph into kind of a wah, 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 and as I was sort of trying to, not that I was, no, not that I was tuning you out, I was sort of desperately trying to keep up, and uh, I was just lost in, a tr- lost in a dust cloud of your acumen. Oh, boy. But, but does that make sense? The whole issue is, do you help people who um, are just getting by and may be in trouble and face foreclosure, or do you deal with the properties that have already been foreclosed? And those are sort of your two options. Well, between the House and the Senate. Are you are you asking me rhetorically, no. or are you asking me under the theory that I might actually have an answer? Yes. What do we do? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't really know. I just but yeah. That's why we're not in politics. It's true. I'm not sure that 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 these guys uh, up here know either. But it, there is. A, it's interesting that, that these two Democratic houses have completely different approaches. To this, you know, I think the bottom line here for people who are really concerned about housing and wondering what the heck is government doing, the bottom line is there'll probably be a deal in July. And sometime in July, we can talk about what government is really doing. Right now, there are a couple of very different positions, and they've got to work it all out. I will just say this that I'm, I am just such a, uh, 
I don't know if debtophobe is an actual word, but I, I just I live in such fear of owing anybody money or for having things on which I have to pay uh, that I just uh, I mean, just, for example, the, the concept of, you know, and, and Tim Riley really is the property owner uh, here on the program, because I just uh, the the idea of signing my name on any sort of an agreement that's going to put me in hock up to my eyeballs for five hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I can't even for decades. I, seriously, I mean, I think, you know, I, and I think it was it, coming from, uh, you know, coming from a family where, especially, uh, my mom really drilled it into me that if you didn't have the money to buy something, you didn't do it. That coupled with working in like one of the most tumultuous, unstable industries on the planet, right? That's true. Has just completely ingrained in me this almost pathological inability to to buy anything that I don't have the money in my pocket for. <laughs> so, I mean, really, I, it's like I, I, I couldn't bring – I don't think I could bring myself to finance a toaster. So, <laughs> anyway. Um, I, do, I do remember the day of the layaway, and I – my mom laid away some pretty uh, – maybe some $30 items at that. We were We were – we were hurting for cash. That was always, and that was always really fun too. When you'd like, you'd be at the Sears, and your mom was having to put like a pair of socks on layaway, and there was oh, always like some cute girl from school standing right next to you, uh, as your mom's going, "Can I, uh, can I pay for this batch of Tough Skins jeans in uh, three different installments, please?" And was oh boy, always right there is like some guy who sat next to you in math class was uh, was watching. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, so what I so what I call fiscal frugality and uh, prudence, my wife just calls living in a state of uh, arrested. Adolescent development, but you know what are you going to do? The uh, other story that I don't think uh, was on your CNN update at the time is Hillary Clinton has now returned to work at the Senate. She came back today and uh, she had her first kind of appearance with the media. It's interesting, no TV cameras. Uh, she so uh, you know the, those of us in radio, we were right there. It was great with the print reporters, and in fact, honestly. If Chuck Schumer had had a cell phone on vibrate, I would have known about it. It was so packed in there. I, was, I feel like my microphone was almost, almost inside Hillary Clinton's mouth because it was just, un, it, there was a great press of the press to talk to her. And, you know, on, no big surprise, she didn't say too much. She said that her experience on the campaign trail has made her, uh, has helped her have a greater depth in her approach to the Senate that she's even more motivated now to deal with the country's problems. And uh, I asked her about the vice presidential question, and she she gave the kind of expected response that she's I'm not even thinking about it. That's about that's Barack Obama's decision as it should be. I mean, do you suppose Hillary Clinton, because unaccustomed as unaccustomed as the Clintons are to losing, uh, and and given the fact that you could, they just sort of took it as a fait accompli that she was going to be it. I think at one point, I don't think any time this year, but last year at some points, yeah. Uh, do you suppose that she's just at loose ends, though? That she just uh, that, that she even that she even knows what her next step sort of is? I do. I think that I think they're really quick on recovery, and I I think that these last two weeks that she's taken off, I think she probably just needed one day to get to get another strategy if she found the right one, and I think that her strategy is to sort of lie low a little bit, help Barack Obama, she gets it. She She's not going to be the nominee. Very likely she will not be the vice presidential nominee. It doesn't seem like she wants to be even. And I, she's going to watch how this election goes and go from, go from there, which is smart. Meanwhile, she's going to try and build her stock up in the Senate. Two things, one observation and one question. My observation is, you know, I love Hillary Clinton, but when yeah. you said that she adapts very, very quickly, it, the Clintons are like some sort of weird political virus that adapts almost immediately to any outside threat or, or change in circumstance. They're a rapidly mutating political virus. That's what the Clintons are. <laughs> Secondly, here's a dumb question. Uh, why would she not want to be the candidate, the vice presidential, the vice candidate. presidential candidate? Yeah. You know, I think 
I think it's one thing to say in general, hey, do you want to be vice president? I think another is, do you want to be this person's vice president? And I think in particular, she and Obama really do have very different styles in how they approach politics. He really does believe that he can change the way things are done in Washington. She believes that's very naive and that instead he's going to end up just running again and again into brick walls and he's not going to have any success. And I think that there's one, you could look at that and say, hey, well, they're a great team. They've got two different approaches, and surely between the two of them, they'll figure it out. But I think they're both, uh, they both believe this in their core so much that, that I, I don't, I think it would take some time for them to, to merge instead of combating each other. Also, I think she just really is, doesn't seem like she wants to be a number two. I think she will, she ran this campaign as someone who was going to be commander in chief. And I think she bought into that whole hog. Uh, I think that's who, who she was from the beginning. I, I don't think she is entirely comfortable with being number two. She's used to being someone behind the scenes criticized who either hurts or helps the other, you know, her husband. And I think she really wanted to steer the ship herself. And so speaking of hurts or helps, so that brings us to the strange case of Charlie Black. Oh, yes. How about it? And so he's, so, so correct me if I'm wrong here, he's this guy, he was an, was or is an advisor to John McCain, but he made this kind of numbskull statement where he said that a terrorist attack would really be a big help to the McCain campaign. <laughs> right. He didn't say it exactly like that, but essentially that's what he said. Right. Charlie Black, still a McCain advisor, was talking about Benazir Bhutto, the former um, Pakistani prime minister and, of course, recent candidate, her assassination. He was saying, yes, after that assassination, the way John McCain handled that helped us. And he said it was a, it was a, a shame that that happened, but it certainly helped us. And then he did go on to say, yes, I do believe a terror attack on American soil would help our campaign. There, there was an immediate uproar at this. You know, but you have to take a step back. Hillary Clinton herself a few months ago said if there were during her campaign, and this was part of her stump speech briefly, she said that if there was an attack on American soil, that it probably would help the Republicans. She sort of it's it's something that is um, most everyone in politics believes whether it's true or not is an entirely different question but you can only say that about the people on the other side of the aisle you're not allowed it's like giving yourself right, a nickname you're not allowed to say it about your own campaign you, you're never really supposed to say that you would you know you know so you you know you're not supposed to say hey if my rich aunt died <laughs> i would i could really you know i, could I would clean that. up exactly I could, yeah. I could finally buy the vcr well, maybe Charlie Black and Charlie Black and Don Imus can get together and do an exciting new radio program. I know Don Imus, so. man. Uh. Oh boy, he's—I mean, he's from here on out. He, you know, no matter what he says, he people are, people are waiting. They're waiting for anything. That, uh, that they can write a story about, I think. Yeah, no, I was talking to Steve about that today. The, 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 now, oh, right. Steve Kasimov's all over it. It is impossible to look at Don Imus uh, right now, at least, without without sort of gazing through that prism of you know the, the whole conflagration from uh, from last year. All right, uh, something else I was going to ask you, but now I can't come up with it, so it must not have been that important. All right, um, <laughs> are you on tomorrow? I am. I will be a here. All right, fantastic. Uh, we look Great. forward to it with bated breath. We'll talk to you then. Excellent. Thank you, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Wonderful. Excellent. All right. We still never got a definitive answer to the last instrumental that was a big hit uh, on the Billboard charts. Because now somebody is saying, and I guess I could figure this out with just like a simple like web search, but I'm just I'm busy doing things. The I was saying Miami Vice, and then somebody else said Axel F by Harold Faltermeyer. And so I don't know. Um, I don't know what that is. Yes, you do. Oh, yeah. 
so there's that, and then there's um, the Miami Vice thing by Jan Hammer. So one of those was uh, they were both number one, but I think I think the, the I think I think Beverly Hills Cop, I think Axel F came after that. So one of those is probably the final big instrumental hit. All right, we should do uh, one more here. We'll take a break. Uh, we'll come back with more around the corner. All right, I think we should do a Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch for Tuesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, I remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but cause we were wondering if the quantum flux... Just listen, on there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better does. The best part there is when he's sort of upbraiding the kid about it, and he says there's two things. One is when the kid laughs and goes, all right. The other thing is when is when Tim Allen sort of yells at him, goddamn ship, and then he you can hear him angrily slam the pen down on the table. That's the great thing about that. Here's Tim Riley. And an unprecedented move, Microsoft is committing itself to providing support services for soon-to-be-retired Windows XP through the year 2014. Excellent. This letter was sent out. Our ongoing support for Windows XP is a result of our recognition that people keep their Windows-based PCs for many years. Uh, Microsoft has little choice but to support Windows XP for an extended period, given the majority of its large business customers have not upgraded to the faltering Windows Vista because operating Vista, system. Vista, 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 uh, Vista blows uh, by, from all, all accounts. The objective assessment of this is that Vista is like the worst thing in the history of the world. But by... By the way, if you buy a Dell laptop, they're not even offering the XP, only the Vista. Is that true? Yes, I know someone mm. bought one this week, and they were not permitted to have the XP. Can I get XP? No. You'll take Vista and like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know what? I got XP. I think we all run XP here. Let me double check. Yep, we are all running XP here in the studio. Uh, so it is. I mean, in here, uh, you know, in CVS uh, IT, is you know, they're pretty jolly on the spot about updating things. And even they have stuck with Windows XP uh, because the Vista is just like a huge load uh, of a program that no one. I mean, it's just like bloatware, uh, the absolute definition of bloatware. So anyway, well, there you go. So 2014. Yes. Excellent. Part two. Hey, kids, let's play the hello game. Or is it Halo? Oh, that's Halo. Hello. No, not hello. <laughs> hello. The body count for the popular video game, Halo 3, has surpassed the population of the Earth. According to the death toll tabulated by Bungie, the company story. that makes the Xbox 350 shoot them up, there have been more than 6,700,000,000 enemy deaths on the game since it was released last September. That's people killing other people who aren't even on their team. The U.S. Census Bureau estimates the population of the world is just over... Six billion seven hundred million. So Halo players have actually killed the entire world plus some. Uh-huh. Well, that's almost like a well-done kind of a thing. I guess so. I suppose. Just Halo. I think we missed some sort of parody song when Halo 3 came out, like a Lionel Richie, like, Halo! That's what mm-hmm. I was thinking. Isn't there another one? Isn't there another Hello song? Halo! Well, there's Halo, Halo again! Hello. Yeah, there's Halo that, too. There's like three of them we could have done. Yep. And then Dolly Parton. Didn't you have a song by Hello? No. Hello? No. No. All right. There, <coughs> there also, since we're doing Lionel Richie parodies, there could have been Halo. There also could have been a Slay You, Slay Me song because of the Slayer mode that you Gotcha. Hello. All right, Grand Star's Hammer by the Sons of Warband. They'll take I a break. You. Next. Back after this. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. 
It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Sometimes you get emails that just don't make any sense. Like what? Like this one that says, how about Richie Bristol last weekend? My future son-in-law had the unfortunate experience of seeing Richie in action this weekend. He was at the lake and Richie jumped out of a vehicle and began chasing him. Wait, was this someone who's friends with Richie? No, it says my future son-in-law. Well, I don't really know. She didn't say whether the son-in-law knows Richie or... Yeah, there's really no explanation given uh, to this. Well, before we... Let's just then... um... Oh, I don't have my... Let's see if I can... Where's my... uh, The hell is the... the... Richie, if you can join us in the studio for a moment. Not a sounder. I think we need to get a different sounder. We do. I think this one has worn itself out. I think we need to get something by RuPaul. All right, somebody get to work on that now. Perhaps uh, Supermodel. Isn't that the RuPaul song? It's Supermodel? Yeah. Uh, All right. Hello, Richie Bristol. How are you today? Hello. You got an email from somebody? Because everybody I chased, they did not know me. (laughs) Believe me. How about this? It says, this is from Mary, and Mary says, my future son-in-law, so presumably, uh, presumably the guy who is engaged to this person's daughter, my future son-in-law had the unfortunate experience of seeing Richie in action last weekend. He was also at the lake, and Richie jumped out of a vehicle and began chasing them. Yeah. So, because they... I'd hide in the truck so they couldn't see me in the dress, and I'd say, <laughs> "Hey, stop!" <laughs> Listen, that is so warped on so many levels. Just that sentence alone. Richie, you do realize that, like, just because you don't think they know who you are, doesn't mean that they don't know who you are. That's crazy. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, well, we have to let's, let's, we have to go back here. So. Okay, so you're at the lake. Uh-huh. Sand lake. Sand lake. Uh, busy throwing, as you described it yesterday, gas cans into the fire. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So you took a dress with you. At some point, how, did you go there in the dress, or did you, like, get there, and then at some point you decided to get into the dress? Uh, no, I just wanted to get some footage of me. Well, I know, but I'm saying, I'm saying, is it like, how long, how, when did you go, Friday night? Uh-huh. How long were you there? Like before you said, okay, now it's the time to dress as a woman. Uh, Saturday afternoon after right. probably 16 hours of drinking. <laughs> okay. That's when you decided to get on your uh, your getup. Uh-huh. And so you then dressed as a woman. What do you use for bosoms, by the way? Are those balloons? Uh, no, they were women's garments that we collected together. Like Do you sort of ball up or something? Panties. All right, okay. And then in a brazier? Yeah. What uh, what size brazier do you use? A T, of course. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Please well, forgive me. If they were C-cup, I'd you... small for my body size. No, for your frame, a D is probably right. Yeah. So you wear a bra, but you shove it full of women's undergarments? Yeah, but we start out with, like, towels and stuff, and then it made my boobs lumpy. Well, you don't want that. Mm, we look no, sir. You can get that. You have to go and get scanned. <laughs> um, so, uh, all right. And so I'm guessing you're 34, 34D? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, there you go. Tell, tell me. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, all right. And so that was creepy just now. That was really creepy. Sorry. Well, I'm just trying to guess. What would you have? I should have had you guess what size Richie would have been. Uh, all right. And so we don't even know what dress size you are. You just said big. Yeah. Uh, you would be, what, a size? I don't know when. Well, like a size, size nine or something? I'm guessing. Dress? I, yeah, I totally am bluffing. 35 I don't know, men's I, I don't know what anything is. Wait, I have are you, no are idea. Are you guessing dress? Yeah, dress size. I feel like 15. Really? <laughs> Holy moly, that's bad. Yeah. I have no idea. See, I don't even know what anything 13, is. 13, 15. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I know <laughs> ones and twos and threes. and. No, you're not a size one. No, but <laughs> I, even I know that. <laughs> I remember uh, seeing some pants this weekend that were a size one going, hmm. Could I fit into these? <laughs> Uh, do you ever, now let me ask you this, when you dress as a woman, is it always in a dress, or do you ever wear, like, women's jeans? No, it's, it, well, Like, woman about town, maybe. 
Well, it depends. If I'm goofing around, it doesn't matter. But if you're, if you're serious, if you're serious like, about but if it. I'm serious, oh, you wouldn't How about like pedal pushers like early Mary Tyler Moore? Is it always pumps? From the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah, you, you wouldn't recognize you, it. Yeah, we went, by this, yeah, we went over this yesterday because they like shiny pumps. Okay, but I mean, you said sometimes if you're drunk, though, the high heels don't work. Yeah. So it, do you have a backup kind of shoe that you wear? Oh, no. Just like Mary Jane's or something? Generally what, like, another female gives me. Okay. I'm borrowing shoes. All right, so there you are in a dress, and you are then, what, you're hiding in the shrubs? No, we got uh, my friend Prairie Dog. He doesn't drink or nothing. This is weird. He he's a total sober person. So he's that is weird, <laughs> which is weird for us because he's the only one that doesn't. Do that. Anyway, so he drives around and he has a king cab uh, four door truck, mm-hmm. and I'm in the back. It's got tinted windows. We just crack it halfway, so all you can see is my on top of my face. And then you roll up on somebody, and say, "Hey, wait a minute!" As they're driving by, and they yeah. stop, and then you jump out and like, "Hey, give me a ride!" And and they peel out. <laughs> well, one guy peeled out on me, and took off like he was scared. I ran up to him. I would be scared if a giant a man in a dress was running at me like, wait up! I need a ride! This is a giant Asian man in a dress! He's chasing us! He's gaining! Uh, and then so you jump... I'm sorry, honey, because you, you probably just look like a crazy person. Yeah, I mean, oh, really? I mean I'm mean, i sure that in your head... I mean, wearing the dress doesn't make you necessarily look crazy, but if you're running at somebody's pro- you know property at their vehicle, that's just a little unnerving. I would say a man in a dress... Uh, leaping out of a car at you, if you're not expecting it, that's the sort of thing that could, I think, easily be unnerving. Uh-huh. That would just be my guess. Well, I learned. And you've got to be careful, too, hon, because if you're out there oh, seriously, you with a bunch some, of hicks, they have neck? guns. And, seriously. And if you're offending them in any way, you are not going to... We don't take kindly to men dressing in women's totally. things around don't here. Don't do it on 82nd. <laughs> yeah, seriously. There's going to be some repression that they want to take out on you. I better carry a sheep with me or something. What? Never mind. Okay. Sheep, you know. Nah. Never mind. Oh, that's what a sheep is. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. All right, Richie Bristol, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Richie. All right. Oh, Richie. All right. We have to have Richie just come to work in full on drag one of these days. You know he wants to. Well, I mean, honestly, I think he's he's just fully admitted today that he's kind of a drag queen. I will today. I mean, didn't. He was talking about his multiple outfits, and then when he was saying how that was how he was dressed for fun, but then when he seriously dressed that he has, up. So you would say that the that he the, the different levels indicate that that how seriously. If he there takes are levels it. to any kind of fetish, I believe I mean, that that constitutes some kind of something there. Would you say that it's officially a fetish? See, I don't really even Absolutely. know what that means. I have no idea what a fetish actually is. That's a that's a word you hear sort of bandying around a lot, like foot fetish or whatever. And so I don't really know what that means. But I would say this. Well, it uh, seems like he likes it. He he gets off on it. He likes other people to like him in it and he has multiple wardrobes he's given lots of thought to what he's going to even stuff his bra with i mean <laughs> that sounds layered doesn't sound like hey i found this dirty dress on the side of the road this is like hey he's picking out full-on outfits i was going to say i suppose that's true this isn't really like flip wilson dressing up as geraldine this isn't because you know there is a long sort of comic tradition of dudes dressing up as women uh, milton burl did that what was milton burl geraldine no that was flip no, wilson. no that was flip wilson. what is milton did milton burl have a name when he was, was in drag milton burl, no. uh, but he was just sort of like a cigar chewing sort of dude and then of course the monty python guys there were no women in monty python it was all men they called themselves the pepper pots when they would recruit but that was just for comedic purposes mm-hmm. uh and i know that you're talking about the different levels and the other thing is i know you think it sounded creepy but when i asked him what size bra he wore and he he immediately knew that's sort of the indicator mm-hmm. to me because that doesn't that doesn't say it's like I don't know just get something of goodwill and I'll strap it on for my outfit like that's where he's sort of given it some thought um, 
I'm sorry, you thought can it was I like just, a, a six can in dresses? <laughs> oh, honey. I mean, God, I'm a six in a dress. I'm like, really, Richie? Just, sweetie, I don't know. You are not a six. Um, I have this question that I want to ask, and then, but it's like at the same time, even saying the question aloud sounds so Do wrong. Do you want me to ask him for you? Don't you want to know... If he gets it on, but yes, like a yes, woman. exactly. That's it. That's <laughs> no, exactly it. Uh, the, you see, you and I are sharing a brain. We have a Vulcan <laughs> mind meld thing every single day here. I don't know if Tim thought that or not, but I know Tim doesn't want to know. Probably. I don't think Tim would allow himself to fix something like that. Do you just, Tim? Do you just repress any images of that, like a bad childhood memory? You, you know, there there are certain things. Does your brain filter it out? Right. It, it's like seeing someone you really don't want to see naked. Naked. Uh huh. And you say, please, God, take this memory from my brain immediately, please. And it's, and it's always, like, unexpected. <laughs> That's what you, you want God, you want it to be like that Nine Inch Nails video, which is like, scene missing. Like, you want God just to take it I out mean, like a missing film. That's when I become film. really religious. When I see something that I need erased immediately. <laughs> you need to expunge this. I'll <laughs> uh, get these nude pictures of B. Arthur out of my head. Please, God, for the love of all that's... Well, next hour, when Tim's preparing his news, should we bring Richie in and ask him that I... question? I want to know if Richie has or has had or has desired or to have relations while dressed as a lady. While dressed as a lady. These are all things I want to know. And the thing is, I don't really want to know, but I kind of have to know. Which maybe makes me perverse, but what are you going to do? You know? Hey, that's fine. Well, like the old-fashioned party line of the small town. People <laughs> Ex- have to know. Exactly. This is the party line of the air. You call me crazy, you call me a pervert. Uh, all right. So, in any event. What were we going to do? I had something that I was going to do. No, I don't. Oh, oh, we were going to do the top five. Um, right now? Well, let's do a couple uh, stories, then we'll do the top five, because we got all this other stuff to do next hour, and I'm sure we kind of get to it, because the longer we wait in the week, the more it's going to be pointless. Okay. So let's do a few stories here, and then we'll do the top five. I don't know if we have enough time. Well, because well, we we're we talking to Jim Rupert at 215, too, which is going to have to break right at the top. Well, how long do we have here? Well, do you want to just, uh, well, what should we do? You tell me. Well, it's 151, so it, I think Tim has a lot of news. So okay, well, let's do, I'll do a quick. Uh, a quick synopsis of the most important events. A window washer has survived a nine-story fall and suffered a super wedgie in the process. Uh, apparently, witnesses say uh, they heard a big thud and saw a man uh, simply hanging limply from his harness. Uh, the man cleans windows. He fell nine stories until his feet hit an awning in the side of a building. Yeah. He appeared to have ankle injuries and was a lot of, in a lot of pain, especially from the, uh, the unmentionable area. But he retained his sense of humor, telling co-workers, yes, it's just a big wedgie from his harness. Uh, Don Imus in trouble again after making remarks about suspended NFL player Adam the Pac-Man Jones during his uh, radio program, which uh, airs on RFD-TV. Uh, he appeared to uh, imply that Jones was arrested so many times because he was black. His comments were taken by some as racist and offensive, but Imus says that, that is simply not the case. There's no reason to arrest this kid six times. He's a, he's a football player. It was a lovely kid. He's out having fun. He doesn't need to be arrested six times. He gets arrested six times. Well, we know why he gets arrested six times. By the way, Imus says he has hired African Americans to his staff. This current edition of the Imus Morning Program, in which I guess if you can't see it on RFT TV, you don't <laughs> no know. No one can see it on RFT TV. <laughs> the Imus Morning Program. Tom Bowman is black. Two of the uh, co-hosts, the cast members of the program, are black. Who are they? No one ever talks about. But. All right, whatever. I, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, there's just no point. There's no, no point in kicking poor Don Imus at this point. Who can see RFD TV? Anyway? You can see this program on RFD TV, which no one can. He's been told they can. Seriously. No, I'm in. You're huge. Everybody's watching. For the third year in a row, you can now hunt deer within the city limits of Fargo. 
This show was really big there at one time. There's really nothing else to do there but drink. Well, hunters cannot go around shooting any deer that, say, it, uh, is uh, running down a busy city street. There are restrictions. There are certain restrictions on how the bow hunters can hunt. Uh, they're not allowed to shoot from the ground. They have to be in a stand above the ground so they have a good view of what's going on around them. I feel so bad for people with that accent. Because you know that no matter what they say, that's all anybody hears. No matter what is coming out of their mouth. I built a particle accelerator in my living room, and I've uh, I've had nuclear fission going on on my couch, and I've uh, I've cured cancer. You know, but all you hear is that accent. That's it. Here's the ultimate gift for fans of The Sopranos. They're going to release this next year. A 30-disc box DVD set featuring all six seasons of the HBO dramatic series. will arrive in stores November 11th at the price of $399.99. It's going to take a whack out of your uh, wallet, Tim. Uh, the alumnus uh, Salvador, the big pussy on the series, says he's excited about uh, the set coming out. I know when we go shopping, you buy season one, season two, season three. That's going to be a great Christmas gift. I hope HBO gives me a break on the price I can give them out to my family. Uh, uh, Mr. Pussy says the DVD set will feature uh, a scene of that that has uh, been previously cut. There was a time when I shot this scene with my dear friend Frank Pellegrino, who played the FBI guy, and the scene was how my character became an informant, and they never aired it. But now I read the paper yesterday. That's going to be part of the DVDs. You know, can I tell you, The Sopranos has been off the air for, what, the better part of a year at this point? And, boy, I just have no desire to go back and watch that show ever again. It ended so badly. Not just that, not just the notorious final scene, but the last couple of seasons of that show were so bad that I just have, it's like with Buffy, I have almost no desire to go back and watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer at this point, because the last few seasons of Buffy were just such a travesty, that I just, there's just no reason for me to ever go back, and especially with The Sopranos, which is one big story arc. I just have no motivation, I have no urge or desire to go back and see that show again. The life of Larry King has entered rehab. 46-year-old Sean Southwick King is now a treatment for an addiction to painkillers. Uh, a friend says she's in rehab relating to her chronic What's migraine problems. Chronic migraine problems, really? Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine how doped up you'd have to be to have Larry King come and writhe on top of you every night. Yeah, I mean... she had two children. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, it happened twice. <laughs> I mean, just for the... I mean, you... it's like having just a big fleshy ball of sandpaper rubbing up against you every evening. I mean, if she complained, you'd go, what is your question? Get <laughs> to the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I was trying to come up with some foul, um, some no, foul, no. some foul play on like Fargo, North Dakota. You're on the air, but I couldn't come up with anything that was radio safe. I came up with a lot of things I couldn't say, but that's okay. All right, tonight we're going to be having uh, sexual intercourse. Uh, later on, uh, Steve Lawrence will be here. Well, boy, George <laughs> won't be crossing any ponds soon. Billboard reports that the Culture Club frontman. This is like 20-something years ago. Has been denied a visa by U.S. authorities. Uh, he's planning to kick off his 24-day North American tour on July. Boy, he looks like Uncle Fester. He you look at that, you look at that article today? I mean, that's he looks like Jackie Coogan. He does. Like he expects to be putting a light bulb in his mouth and, wow, no mess. I mean, that's uh, really, it's that's unfortunate. He was There was a brief window of time where in some horrible way, Boy George was, I guess, sort of an attractive person. That time has gone away. Those Those, those times are not now. Uh, the Bee Gees, well, the ones that are still alive, are planning a comeback. No. Robin Gibbs says he's very open to returning to the stage if his brother Barry feels comfortable with it. 
and when or where is to be decided at a time when they all say yes. The siblings lost their brother and bandmate Maurice five years ago. At that time, Robin and Barry said they no longer perform under the BG name. Now, Robin says, now we've decided that on an emotional level at that point, uh, we'll probably get back together. It's a personal thing. We'll mm. do it when the time is right. He's preparing to release a new solo album. Who would care? Music industry is talking about liking sales for some upcoming Madonna tour appearances. There are a large number of unsold tickets available for a key show in Los Angeles. Can you believe it? A country singer who's a Muslim? Yes, a former Iowa City resident is just that. Kareem Salama, who's been making waves in country music, is told he's the first Muslim country and western singer. He has two releases, both recorded in an Iowa City studio. Uh, one is called Generous Peace, and the other is called This Life of Mine. You know, I heard a country version of Life in a Northern Town the other day. Okay, no, you got to get out of my head because I almost today played Life in a Northern Town. I was I was reading the Wikipedia entry oh, for Life in a Northern Town this morning. Uh-huh. That's so weird that you would say that. And here's it because I was trying to here's an here's an, like an aborted top five I had. I had this idea for a top five. It was going to be the top five most haunting pop songs, like big hit, like the top five, like the most haunting top ten hits. Uh-huh. And that would have been number one because Life in a Northern Town, which is about Nick Drake. Uh, Life in a Northern Town is an unbelievably haunting song. It's yeah. beautiful by the Dream Academy. But I was thinking about that this morning. And I haven't thought about that song in several months, but this morning I not only thought about it, but I was reading the whole Wikipedia entry on it. And then you well, mentioned I heard it just now. So what is, is it good? Yeah, done by some group. Uh, is it Sugarland? Sugar Loper, Sweet Land. I think it might be Sugarland. That was that was actually mentioned in the Wikipedia Sugar entry. Baby, something like that. Really, we should actually do we have that? Let's play that in. Let me see if I can find it. We'll play it into the break. It's pretty good. It's still a toe tapper. Uh, we'll have to break here in a second. We'll do the top five, like uh, Life in the Northern. Oh, South. Hillary spoke. She says she's not seeking the vice presidential nod for Barack Obama. Apparently, she's not interested in being number two. It is not something that I think about. This is totally Senator Obama's decision, and that's the way it should be. She's looking forward to their joint appearance in Unity, New Hampshire. This is uh, going to be a symbolic event that I hope will rally the Democratic Party uh, behind our nominee. Mm-hmm. So he's, he stayed quiet for a while, hoping that she'd forget about it, and she did. Let's see. I'm trying to find this uh, Sugarland life in a northern town thing here. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Is this the call about Richie being in a closet? Hello. hello. Hi. Yes. Hey, Rick. This is uh, Tom from Taboo Video. Hello, sir. Well, we can certainly take care of all of Richie's cross-dressing needs. <laughs> I mean, uh, perhaps you know, we, have a, we have a fine selection of shoes and lingerie. He comes down, we can certainly set him up with whatever he needs. Uh, I'm sensing a viral video sensation. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, the reason why I was calling is uh, I was going to tell you that Joe Satriani, I believe, was the last instrumental hit. Uh, always with me, always with you. Uh, it was either that or Satch Boogie. I couldn't remember. Satch Boogie. Was. I would say those are both. I, I think those were big rock hits. I don't know that they were pop hits. Always with me, always with you is one of those songs that rock stations play a lot. I had to, God, I had to play that song constantly. Well, I had like about crossover. Were they weren't they crossover hits? A little uh, bit, like band? like uh, like early '90s. Like Steve Vai was another one of those guys that would occasionally have these songs that came out like that. Always, I had to play that song like every two and a half hours at a rock station. So hey, we may be sending Richie to try on some you know some fashionable ladies' attire at one of your fine establishments. Listen, if you just give Richie my email address and then tell him to email me and we'll we'll set up an appointment. We can get him all set up with whatever he needs to uh, fulfill his cross-dressing fantasies. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, man. I'll there you go, Thank you. See, Richie, never say that we don't help you. All right. Let me see if I can... Um... It kicks in at like 30 seconds. Is this live? 
the one I heard was. Yeah, there's that little uh, descending line. How odd that it would be a country remake of uh-huh. this song. Yeah, this looks like it's uh, in concert somewhere. I already don't like this. I don't at all. I'm sorry, Tim. I'm sorry to dis. I'm oh, sorry I didn't to... know Tim liked it. Does he no, like no, it? No, 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 no. He was giving. I like the song. Up. You like the song. You don't yeah. necessarily care for this. This is. I mean, I hate. Uh, here's the thing. Let me just say it. This is like an American Idol version of this song. I mean, that's that's really what this is. I think you're correct. It is life in a northern town as done by American Idol. And we have to listen to the hook now. No. no. And we're done with that. All right, let's take a break, the shall we? Street version. Let's, uh, when we come back, we'll have uh, Cena Radio Correspondent Jim Roop. Uh, we'll do the top five spoken word hits of all time and uh, more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program on AM970. Don't go anywhere. It, it feels, it's otherworldly. It used to kind of freak me out. I mean, it's a beautiful song, but it kind of creeped me out a little bit. It's haunting. And I guess when I was, you know, when you're a kid, you can't really... Boy, how beautiful is that? But when you're a kid, you can't really conjure the concept of haunting, mm-hmm. you know, or or poignant or melancholy. It was just, it was beautiful, but it sort of, it sort of scared me a little bit because it sounded so ethereal. Um, and so then, of course, I didn't know... 
I couldn't really conceive that they were talking about a northern town in Britain. So in some, I was assumed, I always thought it was about New England somehow. When they talked about a northern town, it always sounded like New England to me. So even though, and it's like how those song meanings, when you hear a song as a kid or younger, and you get a misinterpretation of it or what it's about, even later when you grow up and you find out what the song is really about, your original t- interpretation always kind of sticks with you. Um, and so I always think of New England uh, when I hear when I hear this song, and that's this is it sounds strange, but this song was actually my first impression of what New England was like because that's oh, who I thought he was singing sense. about. Yeah, because I didn't I didn't know who Nick, Nick Drake was. I didn't know any of that stuff. So, and this song doesn't. I, here's the thing: I don't even think I'm picking on country music, but this is just a song that doesn't need to be remade. And I guess you can argue that most songs don't need to be remade, but that's a song that you can never be it can never be improved on. And, and that's just it. Like, you nailed it when you're like, it sounds like an American Idol version yeah, of it. I mean, like when they were all singing all of the um, Andrew Lloyd Webber songs. It's totally. Like, I mean, it, it, I don't know. That's why that's so annoying. There's certain people. songs that can stand up to interpretation. And there's certain songs that can be sung in different. But, you know, but, but sometimes there's you know, the, 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 a certain version of a song is struck and it's simply definitive. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's out of the gate. There's, there's no way to do it differently. So, and that would be uh, one of those. All right, uh, 503-733-2970 coming up later on. We'll do the top five spoken word hits uh, of all time. Tim Riley will be back with the news and so forth. This, however, from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Hey, I, I came in late. What uh, what were you guys talking about? Uh, we were talking about, you know that song, Life in a Northern Town by the Dream Academy? No. Uh, it's, well, don't go playing it. But. Yes, I was going to say. I think we closed the window, but it's this a uh, dream pop song they call it, sort of a sort of a very ethereal kind of pop song from 1986. That is, it really, it's it's. It's one of those songs that just doesn't sound like anything else. Oh. Uh, you know, it's, it's very, you know, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times you'll hear a song and it just has such a distinct sound, or they just capture a certain vibe in the song that. There's really you, you realize there's, there's there's no way to change it or improve upon it because to alter the song, to do it in a different way would be to sort of destroy the song. Gotcha. And uh, anyway, so so one of the, apparently there's some sort of mainstream country band uh, that has decided to sort of blandify the song as only mainstream country bands can. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's sort of like in, it's like instant generic. Just add Carrie Underwood. Um, and so some country band did this version of the song. And, and, and it's just, you know, it's like hearing an elevator version of Eleanor Rigby, you know, where you kind of hear it and you kind of go, uh, no, that, yeah. <laughs> that didn't need to exist. That doesn't, that doesn't need to exist anywhere. So yeah. in any event, uh, how are you, brother? How's life? Oh, life's good. So you got all these, I mean, just again, I mean, there's, there's, you got all of this, this wildfire stuff down there. And I know that, um, I mean, it's. I mean, this is even even by by California wildfire standards, though. This is pretty. It's a pretty big deal, isn't it? Eight hundred forty-two fires are burning. Jesus. I mean, is that the is that like lightning that causes that? Yeah, they they estimate between five and six thousand lightning strikes last week during that freaky lightning storm touched off uh, five to seven hundred of these things, and the other ones just happened because wind would blow embers or, or what have you. But there's about a hundred, maybe more, that they're just letting burn because they're in some remote areas and needs to thin out the forest anyway. Right. I mean, it's just one of those things where my wife and I were talking about uh, the environment the other day and recycling and nature and whatever. And, uh, and the one thing we can agree on is that really, you one can never underestimate the power of the earth to destroy things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the fact that there's you know 800 fires uh, started because of you know lightning strikes. I mean, it really is just. It does remind you of just 
how tenuous our control on things really is. I think man likes to think of himself as the master of all the world. Yeah. And you realize that our grip on the way this planet operates is just so slippery under the best of circumstances. But, you know, even if you put all these fires together, it's only burned about 100,000 acres. And that's less than what burned last year during that great big series of, st- of firestorms from San Diego to L.A. You know, so, yeah, I mean, it's 57,000 acres here, 4,000 acres there. You know, I mean, I guess if they all combined, it would be a huge deal. But are we right finally... now, it's spit on that one and pee on that one. Are we... Are we? Is that the actual plan? Is that the governor's actual emergency that's preparedness plan? That's the, that's the fire. That's Cal Fire's region chief. Is that the? Are we heading towards that fun time of year when you're going to be there, like at 140 degree weather, surrounded by fire? I can, I can already tell it's going to be the bulk of my August, probably. I mean, you always know that you're going to come out the other end of summer light, about 15 pounds, yeah. because you're going to be standing there. And of course, you and of course you won't be able to complain because you're going to be next to a firefighter who's wearing 80 pounds of equipment. <laughs> Is surrounded by rings of flame. Yeah. So, all right. Hey, that's hot, isn't it, pal? Yeah. Just yeah. Seen, seen a radio correspondent, Jim Roop, complained while standing next yeah. to a firefighter risking life and limb. Um, oh, and then real quickly, I know you got this. I was talking to Tim Riley about this. So there's this. Uh, the SAG vote is coming up, right? That's. Uh, uh, yeah, well, the the contract expires uh, on the thirtieth, and I don't think a strike authorization vote's been taken yet or been called for yet. And here's. Uh, and, and from what I understand, they're. they're the SAG is, is allowing uh, people to continue to work past the deadline because talks are going fairly well. So, and here's the dumb question. When the SAG, I mean, not how many members there are in the whole country, but I mean, thousands and thousands, I would imagine. Um, and so, is it like a simple majority? Do you, do you think? Like, do they, do they all get, do they all end the end? And here's another question. If you're a member of SAG, do, does every member of SAG vote, or is it like a representative, like a local head? You have the opportunity to vote for something like this. If you're a member, you have an opportunity to vote for a strike and ratify a contract. How do you, I wonder how you do that since they're spread all over the country. Is like you vote online or something? Just like AFTRA does it. They send the ballots in the mail. Hmm. And is, that, I wonder if it, is it like a simple majority, do you suppose, where it's... 51% say strike, and then everybody walks out? It is as simple as that. Interesting. All right. Well, it'll be, I mean, it, it, it'll be, knowing how badly that writer's strike just gummed up the works, uh, I will be interested to see how this all turns out, because that was kind of a big body blow to the California economy. Everybody's freaked out about this thing. Everybody. So we'll have to see. I mean, there has, the past couple of days, there hasn't been really any news about it. Um, not, nothing real, anyway. And so it's just kind of it's percolating along, just like Britney Spears and her divorce. You know, just kind of keep it on going. Yeah. So well, you know, it it just depends on what happens, and and uh, as we get closer to Monday, I, I'm guessing by Friday there'll be a uh, just a flurry of activity. Do you did the writers try? Do you think help uh help the Screen Actors Guild because the film industry is just so reeling from that writer's strike that they're going to be like, ah, oh, we can't take another one of these. Give the no, actors whatever they want. I don't think want. so. I think. I think the uh, the actor, the Screen Actors Guild, they have this mentality about them that, you know, they're what they want is better than what everybody else got, and no matter what, because uh, nobody wants a strike, the producers are going to have to to give in to their contract demands before they'll give in to the producers' contract demands because there will be no actors. Well, it didn't work, you know, when there were no writers, you know, before the actors could even act. So it's, who knows what Rosenberg and the rest of those folks at Sager are thinking right now, but everybody I know, every actor I know, and most ones I know are the middle-class actors, which is character actors, right. um, they're scared to death. Yeah. 
Well, because because the, the people think when well, they were saying the average writer when the writer strike happened, they said the average writer was making something. I mean, it was some ridiculously small figure. Yeah, uh, eight ten thousand dollars a year, something. Like yeah, that. and because in the projects are so few and far between, I imagine it's the same deal with actors. Where everybody thinks of Brad Pitt, but what they don't think is you know they don't think of the guy who's like third man from the left on CSI Newark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, a couple of my actor friends were you know when Tom Hanks put his signature to that online petition to, for AFTRA, the smaller actors' union, to ratify their contract. Everybody's going like, what does he care? He's got millions of dollars. He can be out of work for the rest of his freaking life. What what right does he even have to tell us what to do? Tom Hanks. Anybody who doesn't need money should shut up, period. If you're, if you're rich enough that it doesn't bother you, shut the hell up. Let everybody else deal with it. I like your style, Jim Rupert. That's all I'm saying. All right, thank you. But always remember... Spit on one, pee on the other. That's All a bumper right. sticker waiting to happen, isn't it? Thank you, my friend. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. There you go. Jim Rope, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Speaking the plain truth as he sees it. Hello, Tim Riley. As a fellow working man. Yes. He's a man of the people. Uh, all right. Um, what, really? Remember that guy, the fan and the man and the fan yesterday story? Pam. The shotgun guy yesterday? Remember that story, Tim? Yes, I do. Richie says the guy... Wait, I hate to have Richie come in here again. I have but... something to play for him. I don't mean that I hate to have Richie come in here again, but it just seems like every time... Sounder. It seems like every time Richie walks in, it becomes like a nine-minute conversation. Oh, thank you. Excellent. Hello, Richie. Uh, Hello. Who, who is this on, on the line? The guy that was on TV that was interviewed that was shot at by the guy that had the fan that tried to defend himself on that story yesterday. Tim, do you remember enough about the story to be able to do this? No, it, is this the man with the fan? This is the guy that in got Fort shot at. Sedan. Oh, okay. So this he was is, on the this, news. This is the fam man. The fam man, I think. The Wait, so this is—is is this the injured and innocent party? I believe. So is this, this the hero? Is this the one who beat the other he guy? He called the police. I think he's. That's what he said. Wait, hold on. So let's. Uh, by the way, we should give a disclaimer as we sometimes we don't really do. We know what we're doing. No, we don't really know what we're doing, and uh, we don't really. I mean, we have only this person's word that they are who they say they are. So. Let's see, and and he, also, he's basically offering some allegations, perhaps, after, from, his, from his own point of view, offering uh, his his read on things that uh, that may have transpired. Uh, and we are simply taking this call without any knowledge of the veracity of the contents therein. Uh, hello, hi, this is uh, the Rick Emerson show. What's, what's your name? Uh, hey, I'm Kelly. Kelly, how, how are you today? Oh, pretty good. I've been on the show several times. Remember when my uh, dad uh, walked up to that suicide paper, suicide bridge a while back? Yes, and I then, do actually. And then me and Dale had the argument about the war and all that, the bat going and all that. You remember that one? Maybe too? it's all kind of a blur. <laughs> wait, so now, wait, yeah. so uh, now, are you aren't the other guy in the story, though? Are you? Uh, no, well, I'm the one who uh, I heard a shot and, or I heard a boom, and I came down. My car alarm was going off, and I stepped out my door, and and I'm the one that was giving all the interviews because they wouldn't come outside. Uh, the guy, my neighbor, the one that um, wait. So you live near where this whole thing with the shotgun and the fan yeah, happened? Yeah, I walked out my front door, and uh, I seen someone at the end of my at the end of our PT cruiser there, and between that and my truck. And so I stepped forward, and right at that same time, I've got those motion security lights, like uh, the floodlights, mm -hmm. and they hit him in the face, and I realized he was holding a shotgun, and then he cocked it. Oh. And started pointing it towards me, so I dove back in the house, and he fired, and it blew out the back windshield of our PT Cruiser. Wow. Yeah, so then I ran upstairs, told my wife to call the police, and then I couldn't remember if I locked the door or not. So I came back down to lock the door, and I looked out, and then he shot up and uh, shot our neighbor's window out, and then shot the next neighbor's window out and the door, 
been busted through the, their front window. And this will just take here. years off your life. Just just Man, experiencing this. You. Yeah, I didn't I didn't hear the show yesterday because I just kind of vegged out. Because you were because you, know, you were busy uh, weeping in a fetal position in the corner. Oh man, I yeah. tell you, it, it scares you. Have but, you? Yeah, my my neighbor uh, ended up hitting him with a. He waited for him to come up because the guy actually made it inside their house with the shotgun, Ugh. and he waited for him at the top of the stairs and hit him with an oscillating fan. Yeah, that's where the, yeah. so that's where the altercation yeah. with the fan came. That's in. creative. Yeah, it really is. No, that's you know no. what it is. That's a that's some MacGyvering right there. That's making the best out of a bad. That's using the implements at hand. So yeah, yeah. it's it's like Mitch Edberg in his comic routines. The, the oscillating fan said no. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm glad you made it through safely, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to call. I listen to your show all the time. I've been on, you know, quite yeah. a few times and stuff. So I'm just kind of. I, I wish I could have been on yesterday. Yeah, we'll, uh, know the story was going around, but um, yeah, it's quite an experience. My uh, my advice to you is to stay drunk for the rest of the week. <laughs> all right. Thank you, know, you it's, sir. It's back to work. All Thank right, you. There you go. Now. That's Kelly. All right. Wow. Okay. That's freaky. Proof that everyone on the planet does, in fact, listen to us. Thank yes. you, Kelly. All right. Glad you made it through safe, my friend. All right. Let's take a break. We come back. Uh, we'll have some headlines from Tim Riley. And this, the top five. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Go nowhere. Jesus. Hi, Tim. How you doing over there? I just could be better. Well, we'll see. Um, yeah, I have no words. So, I was just walking to the uh, to the to the men's restroom, and Sarah and I walked by Richie's call screening area, and. It, really? Did you send that? Okay, I think he sent the sound. I have it. Do you have it? Uh huh. And this is clean, Richie. You've removed all profanity and whatever. There's just the one. All right. Do you want to describe what's going? No, I think my, we. Should... I can't even get my brain to work uh, about this. So we. So Richie went off for this uh, weekend with some friends of his. And he was already discussing in great detail how he was dressing up as a woman, chasing after various men. I think at one point he talked about. Putting on his, you know, his full woman getup, and like, so this. Anyway, so we walk by just now. And he's watching this YouTube video of himself, and I think God bless him. He was taking out the profanity, always thinking of the show. So in this video, it's bleep. In this video, Richie is yes, dressed as a woman with massive bosoms, I might add. And there's a bunch of firefighters in the room, and these are not like, like... you just barge into somebody's trailer. Yeah, it's not like fake firefighters, not like hot cops. These are like actual firefighters in the small town where Richie is spending this last weekend. And Richie is, there's just no other way to put it, Richie is working the room, going around, taking firefighter hats and putting them, doing a little dance for them. I just, there's no, I don't have any way to describe this. You'll just have to see it at some point. Do we have the audio, though? Yeah. How long is this? Does Two it... minutes. Let's play at least part of this. So the next sound you're going to hear is Richie Bristol in a room full of dudes. Uh, and then at one point, there's like a little dog running around the room, I think, at one point. But realize that as he, all of this is emanating from Richie Bristol, who in this video is dressed as a woman. We're doing it now? Yeah. Why? Well, just put it a little bit. Hi. It's recording. Oh, no video. Hi. 
can't watch the video because I'm just listening to that. It's just Richie and a room full of, I think there's a couple of women there and then a bunch of firefighters. Mm-hmm. I have no, no editorial context in which I can put that. It is what it is. Well, they do deserve as much entertainment as they can. They do risk their lives. It's true. <laughs> if only a few moments of happiness before going into the unknown... Before they go on duty. <laughs> the least we can offer them, Tim, is a night of passion. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Wow. Well, a fella trying to be helpful, trying to kill some varmints, had his plane go haywire when he burned down his neighbor's trailer. This happened at the Vancouver Trailer Park at East Fourth Plain. <laughs> The neighbor was trying to drop a flare down a molehill when he ignited a 91-year-old Irma Childers trailer. It went right up the middle skirt in the wall of the 1968 trailer. Neighbors were able to get Irma out in time. Uh-huh. Let her to safety. She's unhurt. No doubt this is pretty unique, said the trailer park manager. Took uh, firefighters 20 minutes to, to put the fire out in Irma's trailer. No word yet on whether or not he managed to kill the mole. Well, it seemed like a good idea. But it turns out that Portland City Hall's toilet is costing you, the taxpayer, $127 per flush. Now, that's how much time, uh, how much it costs every time the bathroom facilities at Portland City Hall were used after business hours during the first half of 19, oh, I'm sorry, 2008. Now, beginning at the start of the year, uh, it was made available to the public 24 hours a day by order of the city council. Hiring security personnel and other costs total $120,000 a year. But the toilet itself was used a total of only 471 times after, say, six months. During one stretch, the facility went unused after hours by the public for over three weeks. See, but I would say that's because almost nobody knows that it's there. Who would be downtown? Uh, you know, but I'm drunken revelers. All right. Well, the city is working to construct some new toilets around the downtown area, each costing $25,000 apiece. 
The first new one will open in early August. I and demand that we get one of those self-cleaning toilets. I mean, really, that's what we need, right? Those things that they have in Seattle. Yeah. Where it's just a big steel box that slams shut and hoses itself. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's it for now. Let's go on to other things. Shall we do the top five? All right. Here's five, your top five. Four, three, two, one, fire. I just can't wrap my brain around that Richie thing. <laughs> well, it seems like he's a lot more uninhibited than he's dressed as a woman. Yes. Seems like that's the voice in which she more naturally speaks. Well, here we are. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm just sort of dazed. I. Uh, We'll have to play that again later. It is a liberal program. I uh, know it is. It, I, you know, it. here's the thing. It's just, there's so much going on in that video. Uh-huh. Like, you see Richie back there, and he's sort of like, you know, he's just dressed, dressed like a member of the Pym Squad, sort of buckled down, typing away, and mm-hmm. getting a guy to bring in an alligator. Yeah. And then suddenly, you just see that video where he's... Where he's dressed like some Asian Mrs. Roper twirling around and grinding his buttocks up against a firefighter. And you kind of just, it's just a little bit of, a little bit of cognitive dissonance. You're just trying to merge those two things together in your head. You can't do enough of them. They no, it's their lives. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Would I do any less? All right, here's Tim Riley with the top five. So we continue to mourn the passing of George Carlin. We pondered the power of words sometimes presented with only the barest rudiments of musical backing. These are the top five spoken word hits of all time. And one of my favorites is missing from here. Now, what, what is your... what is? I, I have to admit that there's some I couldn't find. They were difficult to locate. Well, here's one that I found. Let me see if I can... I'll be, I'll be really shamed if you came up with an obvious omission here. Okay, this is from 1973. Uh, really? Nice. By a Canadian named Byron McGregor. Oh, I looked for this one. Is this the... Um, an open letter to my son? No, this is called The Americans. Oh, the Americans. That's right. Do you remember it? Uh, I remember that it had a resurgence after 9-11. On German, French, and British exchanges this morning, hitting the lowest point ever known in West Germany. It has declined there by 41% since 1971, and this Canadian thinks it's time to speak up for the Americans as the most generous and possibly the least appreciated people in all the earth. Now, this guy who's speaking up stole this from another newsman at another radio station, signed a record contract, well, and is... it rose to number uh, 42 in the charts in 1973. But everyone thinks this is Byron McGregor's. It was actually stolen from another guy at another station named Gordon Sinclair. And you know what? That is the American way, by the way, to steal something and then from another it off Canadian. Your own. <laughs> he stole from his fellow Canadians and pawned it off as being American. So uh, that that was mine. And you know what? I realized another one that I forgot. I'll have to play it tomorrow. I forgot another. I have. I am filled with shame. It's a former country DJ too. I should be. I should be killed for this. I there's one that I forgot that I will all be amazed if you don't come up with it though. There's one that I forgot that really ought to be on this list. Okay. All right, we're kind of down the top. Uh, this list sucks. Who am I kidding? Uh, we're kind of in the that's top. Better than the top. <laughs> that's that's really what it is. This list, like this show, is better than silence most of the time. All right, kind of the top. I've spoken word hits. Uh, William Shatner, Rocket Man. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. Good evening. Awards. Let's see. Here we go. Packed my bags. Last night, pre-flight. Zero hour. Nine a.m. I mean, what made you? I thought this was top five instrumental all day. I said that. Top five spoken words. We'll do instrumental tomorrow. (laughs) 
and Shatner. Somebody thought this was a good idea. Shatner's in a tux and he's smoking. This is genius, though. <laughs> wow. I don't even know what show this is from. Mars ain't the kind of place to raise a kid. Okay, we have to. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Number four, Barry Sadler, The Ballad of the Green Because this is so much better, by the way. Fighting soldiers from the sky. Fearless men. Now, wait a minute. Now, isn't there a spoke? If I'm, am I wrong about this? Isn't there a big section of this that's just spoken? I could be wrong. This might actually be. I think he's singing. This might be incorrect. Now, this was the Vietnam song. It is. It's the only one. All right. Well, this list kind of sucks because I realize now he's singing in his own sort of wooden fashion. He is singing. Well, what can you do? Do you realize this song went to like number three? Yeah. I mean, and this came out in what '69? No, this is like '66. '66. This is when they were still conning people into believing that they could win. Freedom is on the march in Vietnam. Okay. Wow. What a terrible song this is. All right. Number three, Les Crane. This one's classic, though. Let's see here. Desiderata. Desiderata by Les Crane. He was a DJ, of course. And like a show host, I believe. Was he? He did the Les Crane show. Yeah. Wait, here you go. I have this whole 33 at home. Go placidly amid the noise and haste. That's a good voice. And remember what peace there may be in silence. This also a top 20 hit. As far as possible without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Imagine listening to the radio and you're some horny teenager just wanting to smoke pot and make out with your girlfriend and, and this is what's what? playing. <laughs> For the big racks of stacks, there's a big boss jock, Les Crane. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others... You may become vain and bitter, for always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. You are the child of the universe. No less than the trees and the stars, Sarah. Everybody has a coat. This really is, you know, this is a thing that could only exist in the 70s. I mean, the 70s are the only decade that could have done this. We have to get to the hook here. No doubt the universe. 
I mean, imagine you're in your you're in your Camaro trying to cruise, and then this is what the idiot DJ is playing late at night. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. <laughs> wow! Tim looks like he wants to hang it was, himself. It was time for that to go. <laughs> Oh, Number wow. Number two, Art Linkletter. I wrote it too. We love you, Cole This collect. morning a letter was returned, stamped, moved, no address. This one a Grammy. It was one I wrote you a couple of weeks ago. And it is now in my desk with other letters, unopened, and returned. I write again because I must. Dear Mom and Dad, I guess you're kind of worried about me. Is this before she jumped? Well, yes. don't be. I'm not going to tell you where I am, but since I ran away, Look I've been down. to a lot of places. <laughs> I'm currently between I, stories 15 and 16. <laughs> before to write this letter, but I couldn't. Wait, now I'm in the awning. People don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Diane Linklater jumped to her death. Linklater jumped to her death like six months after this. Yeah. Well, I can fly. My dream for you was 16 years ago on that day we brought you home from the hospital. We knew you were something special. So this actually won a then Grammy later, for Best Something Something Recording. Cried, and it's Art Link letter you don't understand. and his drugged out daughter Diane. I didn't. It's all about how... It's funny, but I can't remember what our big fight was about the night okay, So I the left. daughter has run away from home. All I know is that And the dad is writing a letter to the daughter. Now. And the daughter oh, is writing a letter to the dad. And they're being overlapped here. And yeah, then, and so, of course, the, the great irony is that they do this whole thing about father-daughter togetherness, and then she tosses herself off a building like six months later. They want well done, Dad. So each may find his own thing. Okay. <laughs> well, where is this thing for which you search? <laughs> it, it's, it's that window in the corner. Open it a little wider. <laughs> I know I've got to find things out for myself. <laughs> Mom, every afternoon when I came home and locked the door to my room... You thought I was doing homework. Wait. Well, I wasn't. What was she doing? But all you did was preach at me over and over. No one wanted to know how I felt. Was she doing the drugs? I'm living with some kids in a big old house, and we help each other. None of us bathe. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> Oh, I could sweet. I could play this all day. Oh my gosh! I could play these all day long. We've all become communists. Did I? Did I mention? How lucky for us! We've grown our hair and we listen to a jug band. Uh, did I mention, by the way, that I have that whole Les Crane 33? I have an hour of Les Crane reading poetry. All right. I play it when my wife's away. <laughs> Uh, am I the only one who finds this amusing? Yes. It is. It is. Tim finds it amusing. Yes, that's a courtesy amusing. No. It is amusing. It is amusing. It is amusing. I was just thinking about so many wonderful spoken word things I know, like Ani DeFranco, and you would have never put that on the list. No, because those are good. These are, I mean, let's be honest. We're picking these because they're terrible. Oh, you were trying to find terrible ones. I'm not, I mean, you know, I think those are the ones that really resonate the best, because what's the point? I mean, I can really what's think the, of... What's the ultimate conclusion of the letters? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, how did the letters end? Oh, at the end of it. It ended in a dead letter box. <laughs> she delivered her letter right to the ground. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're terrible people. We suffer We suffer from empathy dis, uh, deficit disorder. Number one, she so was covered with a letterman's jacket. <laughs> yeah. uh, number okay. one, number one. Number one? Yes, what number I think one. It is? Number one. Baz Lerman. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. 
of the class of 99. 99. And you remember what happened? Sunscreen. If I could offer you... Now, this is another thing that was stolen, wasn't it? Wasn't this also plagiarized? Sunscreen would be it. All right. A long-term... Did you, uh, do you realize the one I forgot? By scientists. Oh. I'll bring it in tomorrow. There's a really obvious one. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. No basis. More reliable. I regret that you I'm didn't... I'm glad you remembered this one. I regret that you didn't enjoy the Art Linkletter, Diane Linkletter thing more. This or Desiderata. What about the woman jumping off the building? Yeah, or the desert where he's enjoyed. Go placidly amid the noise of haste. Oh, never mind. He will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they fade it. But trust me. Boy, that drum machine takes this. You look back at photos of yourself. Do you realize the music to this basically is just the beginning of Bitch by Meredith Brooks? For you, and how fabulous you really looked. I hate the world today. As fat as you imagine. You're so good. Don't worry about the future, or worry, but know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubble gum. <laughs> wow, that's really deep. In your life are absolute things that never crossed your worried mind. All of these things seem really deep when they first come out, right? Are we going to have to do the Alanis thing? Do one Why? What do you mean? Like how we have to analyze ironic. Like, isn't that ironic? It's just, I mean, they all seem really profound when they come out, and then you kind of realize that they're all, you kind of realize it's crap. All right. Floss. Don't floss. We're done. Floss. All right. Come back after this to wrap it up. We got like us next. Michael Mara Show at seven. Stay there. Keep Go listening amid the noise to the Rick Emerson Show. And remember, tell all your friends. You can't do voice on voice. He's talking. Oh. As far as possible. <laughs> back after this. Be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others, even the dull and ignorant. Floss. I still haven't heard Talker. I barely knew her. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's been recorded. I don't know if I have it in or not. It's kind of a mad rush to get everything loaded in together. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Should we take calls? You see why I almost didn't do that as a top five, but just a, li- a list of crap we were going to play? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, yes, let's take some telephone calls. Let's do that. If you'd like to sneak on before the end of the program, it's 503 uh, 2970. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, Random Caller. Hello. Yeah, hey, Rick. Hey, can I say the uh, song that you forgot? Well, Tim's already out of the room, so, uh, yeah, go ahead, because I'm going to spring it on Tim. And Tim is a former country DJ. should have spotted the one that I didn't put on the list. I I think it would be, I think it's Red Sovine Teddy Bear. No, no, but that's that's actually, hold on. Now, is that spoken word? Come on back and talk to Teddy Bear. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Mm, all right. And, and and Sarah will cry when she hears the lyrics, so that that would be pretty funny, too. Red, Sovine, Teddy Bear. All right. Uh, I will completely play that one tomorrow. Thank you, sir. All right. Cool. Can I get the one you. that you forgot? Yes. The devil went down to Georgia or whatever it is. No, but see, and then I had to see, but that's the thing. is like, is that really spoken word? Because I guess there's it's parts of it that are spoken word. There's part, well, I guess that the parts of these are spoken and sung, too. <laughs> And bow to the Green Berets is all. I really don't know what the hell I was doing with this list. If I could make that list, I would do Ina Franco's Fuel. Can I? Well, I, I, see, I don't think I know that. Yeah, Fuel and The Slant are two, um, both really. I think she's good. coming back to town. Yeah, last time I saw her, I just wasn't impressed. I think I peaked. I had my I had my great Ina Franco experience, like seeing her at a festival. She played all the songs. Were you month. in college? 
Yes. Yeah, it's a kind of a college. And thing. then after that, like I've seen her a couple times in town. It's just not the same. And uh, you know, it was seated one time I was right. a player, and she was like really super political and didn't believe in playing her old songs anymore. I'm like, mm, that's uh-huh. unfortunate. Play, play 32 flavors. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I heard that song, um, "Egos Like Hairdos." Uh, my wife played that for me, and I was like, this is the best song she I've ever heard. She is the most phenomenal. I, I don't listen to her anymore. I haven't listened to her in years, but I mean. Sometimes, as a woman, I think you need Ani DeFranco. Totally. Oh, that's and what my wife. My wife said exactly the same it, thing. She is an, a phenomenal songwriter. Yeah. I mean, it's just unreal. My wife made the same comment. She said, uh, "Not that I like to say that all women are the same, but she, but she said that time she's like, she's like, it was, it was like, it was a thing that she I needed, did, it, yeah, and she didn't know she needed it until she heard it. And the thing about Ani DeFranco is, she's like Bob Dylan. She's so prolific that sometimes there's going to be crap that comes out because mm-hmm. she writes so much stuff. Are we done? We don't have time for anything else? Yeah, we're totally done. Let's quickly, final call, sir. Go ahead. Hey, Rick. Hey. John Wayne, America, why I love her. All right, there you go. You Thank you, sir. the Duke. John Wayne. We'll do it tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you, bye. All right. Uh, I want to thank Lisa Desjardins and Steve Cassim. I'm James Rupp, Rick Emerson, show producer today, and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM970 Solid State Radio. I said it again, goddammit. In the newsroom, <laughs> Tim Riley, in the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, uh, Susan Reynolds, our marketing director, Brian Jones, our director of engineering, webmistress, it's Bridget from upstairs. Like us next. Uh, Michael O'Mara's show at 7, CL tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thank you for listening. B7, huge watch out for snakes. Bye.